Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold! Coming to the ring, from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, Pick a Loaf and Dr. Zong! This is Jake, and that's it. Um, There's got to be something else to that. Jake uh, Manwolf. <laughs> Jacob Mantooth. You could be J. Jonah Jameson's son uh, and be Jake, and then you turn into Manwolf. But they already had that, so you would be Manwolf 2. Yeah. McLarge Wolf. The, the Roman numeral two, so nerds can keep it straight in their head. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who am I with this week? I'm with uh, Sam. This, yeah, this, yeah. Um, this, yes, it is I, and I have returned again, again, without my faithful uh, partner. Yeah. Uh, he got sidetracked in El Paso. <laughs> he stopped to get himself a map, and then he went the wrong way in Juarez with Juanita on his lap. Well, shit. Motherfucker. Uh, I, I'm telling you, the con- sh- these contract negotiations are bullshit. <laughs> He's shirking his responsibilities. He's like Red Fox uh, <laughs> in the middle of Sanford and Son doing the contract negotiations. And so they, <laughs> the next thing you know, Grady has to fucking come on and <laughs> fill in. So I guess you're like Grady. Yay. Grady. Did you ever watch Sanford and Son? Uh, when I was younger, I did. Okay. So you, yeah. this isn't like uh, I didn't want to talk over your head with technical stuff. <laughs> you do it all the time, yeah. anyways. Well, uh, yeah, we had some technical difficulties, by the way. And this, yeah. uh, this, uh, let's just say, I never thought, I never. Well, you know, with the exception of like the first time, maybe, or right around the first time that we recorded Silver and Gold to do a quick equipment check. Mm-hmm. And to properly plan to prevent poor performance, and uh, I was talking into a, a uh, microphone that uh, was not working. So uh, mm-hmm. much like um, Hooper or the Bandit, I had to. Um, I don't think the, I don't think Burt Reynolds. Pro- I bet you he didn't smell as bad as I did. He seems like well, he would have a lot of cologne on. Yeah, he, he yeah. met well. He masks it well, but you know how to mask it as well. I hit the pits. I, I, yeah. uh, I when you're leaving the house, I, I did the uh, quick washcloth to the face. <laughs> I uh, put a hat on, and uh, and I uh, put some speed stick under the pits, and some mouthwash in the pit, which is my mouth. And uh, so I didn't run into anybody, which I don't care anyway. I just don't even care. But I now this this uh, I let me see where's that thing at? Well, what the fuck? You son of a bitch! 
well, I don't know what happened, but life is grand. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you get the same microphone that you've always been this using? This one is um, H390 with a USB jack, uh, 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 you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Again. And the other one was only like a, I don't know, like one fucking 20 or something piece of shit. But <laughs> I must have ran over the cord with my fat ass. Um <laughs> You know, now that I'm I'm so fat right now that I I use a hover round <laughs> to go from room to room, and then I have one of those things on my steps to, that I sit on that I just press a button and it goes, you know. um, and that's about it. it but uh, I hope that this may even be this may be a um, new uh, standard for silver and gold mm-hmm. because I have upgraded my equipment. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, and I, 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 I will say that there's a, a, a noticeable, no, though not dramatic, uh, increase in quality. Yeah, you still, it's still my voice. So it's still, yeah. <laughs> semi-nerdy, you know. It happens. Um, what are we covering this week? Do you know? Shit. Um, Kelly's Heroes Uh-oh. and Lagoon. Uh-oh. What? I did not watch those. Okay. This week we're taking we're, we're okay. Well, we're you know what? I, I I watched these are two movies I watched this week. Mm-hmm. I watched Footloose. Okay. And I watched An Awesome Gentleman. We can go with that. We can go with because, that. You know what? Right. Here's the deal. Other podcasts uh, that co- that consider themselves genre podcast, <laughs> uh, they kind of it, there's kind of a a, a geek film snobbery. Oh. Or they they reject um, anything that they would consider mainstream, mm-hmm. or anything that you know anything maybe that has, would be shown before midnight. Yeah, that might be yeah. a little bit fun. That mm-hmm. might have a little love in it. A little, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. And I hate to tell you people, but you know what? Um, chick flicks and romance and teen movies—that's a genre. Yeah, it is. And so we. We're not fucking snobby. Mm-mm. Not a, very much. Sure. So we're gonna we're gonna review a Voodoo's <laughs> and 1982's an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> now, see the thing that got me about well, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, so we'll talk about those later. But uh, you claim to me, you claim uh-huh. yeah. that you have not been watching. Very much this week. I have not. Um, this week while at work, there, there is an all hands on deck type situation where there's a lot of important, uh, sensitive data lost. Oh, and so we were all working many, was, many hours. Is that your fault? No. no. Okay, good. Yes. Jesus. Um, Especially after you had that rant on the video on. <laughs> That yeah, exactly. Look good at all. No, sir. But you know, um, it, it it was an honest accident, but it was a very severe one. So uh, everyone at work just kind of batting down the hatches and um, uh, worked a lot of extra hours. So I just have not had that much time this week to uh, watch the movies I want to watch. But <laughs> but I did watch two movies aside okay. from uh, the two mentioned. It should be said. After my Red Dawn remake snafu, that we are reviewing uh, the Footloose from 1984. 
Yeah, I think I believe it yeah. is. That, yes, I, I'm 100% on that. All right. Okay. So rest assured, people, we don't have to talk. We, we, yeah, we're, we're cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Zom, Zom picked it. He's not a dipshit like me that goes for the crappy remake. You are not a dipshit. Well. I hate when you talk bad about yourself. should see my birth certificate. Um, so. Dipshit, large. <laughs> Esquire. Um, let's see. I'm glad I'm not emotional right now because, like, sometimes I have these emotional moods and anything will make me cry. No wonder you picked these two movies. Yeah, well, maybe that's why I'm feeling a little bit that way because, you know. But anyway. T- no, I-, I will tell you later. I won't tell you now, but shit, there was. <sighs> Anyways, um, I know one of the films that I watched, you also watched, if um, your screenshots or your postings on Facebook are any indication. Okay. I know your MO, I know your deal. Um, now, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but I watched a movie called um, Burberda Burberian Sound Studio. Burberda Burberda Burberian? Yeah, it's Burberian Sound Studio. Okay. It's a tough I don't one. even, I never, that doesn't even ring a bell. Okay. Well, it's got, uh, Toby Jones in it. It's actually a, a Toby Jones starring film. Uh, it's a British film about, here, I'll read you the synopsis. A sound engineer's work for an Italian horror studio becomes a terrifying case of life imitating art. And so it's basically about this, uh, sound engineer that comes to, uh, work for this, you know, shitty, cheesy, you know, lurid Italian horror film, a giallo of some sort. It's called the Equestrian Complex. Yeah. Um, and he gets in there and weird things start happening. You know, what is real? What isn't? Uh, is it, is the movie about him? Uh, is he just insane? That sort of thing. Mm. And it stars Toby Jones, got Antonio Mancino, Guido Adorni. Jesus, uh, that's a name. That's a that's a fucking uh, uh, a goddamn uh, <laughs> handle there. Sa- Salvatore Lacalci, uh, Tanya Sotoropoulou, you- Sotoropoulou, Susanna Capalaro, Lara Pavariana, Joseph Seres. I just like saying the names. Chicken Chimichanga, John Michael Schauberg, known uh, uh, he, he plays the Goblin, which is this really weird dude that just makes a lot of crazy animal demon noises. But uh, this is an interesting film. It's obviously, like um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's an interesting film because it's obviously you know uh, kind of aping the giallo style, or just uh, kind of you know uh, referencing it, calling back to it, riffing on it, that sort of thing. Um, and there's a lot to like. And Toby Jones, he's a really good actor. You know, you don't always get to see him in starring roles because he's you know a kind of a small fella. You know, not uh, uh, Truman Capote. Yeah, exactly. He played Truman Capote. That should give you an idea of, you know, I, <laughs> what he, he like. kind of reminds me of uh, a young Paul Williams. Mm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the singer and sometimes actor, little Enos Burnett uh, or Burdett or Bur- was it Burnett or Burdett? They always that was a running joke in Smokey and the Bandit. They always say it was wrong, so I can't remember what was correct. Thanks a lot, Burt Reynolds and Obama. <laughs> exactly. Now this movie, it's. You know, I, I did enjoy it. It kind of, I really, I really, really liked many, many parts of it, but it's a movie that doesn't stick the landing, so to speak. You know, it really, you know, once it kind of, uh, tips the scales in favor of 
you know, uh, is he going crazy or isn't he? And at that point, it just becomes completely abstracted and just crazy things happen and you don't know what's going on. Then it's just completely up to you to kind of, you know, fill in your own blanks or just let the movie play out as it is and just don't pay it any mind. Um, Go wash dishes in the other room. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I really, really liked it. And it's kind of funny, you know, there's there's a movie like this and then there's a movie like Amer. Or the follow-up to a mare, um, Strange Color of Your Body Tears, where they both, you know, they're both heavily, heavily influenced by giallos and that style and, you know, kind of, uh, exaggerating certain, certain parts of it. But I, I, I think I responded much, much better to this film as opposed to something like a mare, because a mare, did you ever see a mare? I, no. should, I should ask that before. Go you watch. I'm telling you what, um, dude. You watch some weird shit. No, I'm I glad could. that I'm bringing that by reviewing these two movies this week. <laughs> I'm bringing this uh, this show back to the masses. Yeah, to, you, the, to the common man. Yeah, you're taking the blue collar. Blue collar. Deborah yeah, Winger's exactly. stupid hat. Oh, it's a stupid hat. I'm, don't I'm, be bitter. I'm just gonna say it up front. Um, but you're getting, you're getting ahead of yourself. Yeah, the mayor and a mayor too. Yeah. The revenge of Amer. Amerian. Um, and, and with Amer, it's just so abstracted. It's just literally just a lot of, you know, tone pieces and it's just, its content is its atmosphere and, you know, the visuals and stuff like that. But with that, you know, it has no framework to work with. You know, it almost, you know, to me, it just feels like a showcase of talent, a showcase of, you know, mm. Oh, this is what I'm doing here. This is what I'm Sometimes doing. that's not a bad thing. Well, to me... It, it, if the talent is worth showcasing. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Amer has a wealth of talent behind it. They're <laughs> extraordinarily talented, but because it's so abstract, I can't latch on to anything. Like, I can't gravitate towards any real tangible part of it. You know, I can't really engage with it. Whereas something like this, at least I have, you know, Toby Jones. I have an asshole Italian yeah. producer. I have, like, The Descent. You know, whereas with something like Amer, it's just like hardcore art house bum whiffery, so to speak. Bum whiffery is that yeah. like anal candling? <laughs> a bit, a bit. Uh, when you think about it. Uh, but you know, um, I'll send, I'll send and told. Um, I, I did really enjoy Berber to Berberian Sound Studio. There's a lot to like in it. it just didn't, uh, it, it, it didn't stick the landing, I guess. Eh, for me, anyways, for me. You know, it's one of those things where it kind of, uh, you know, sits there halfway. But you know, with You're some- a tough guy to please. I guess so. It depends on what it is. When it comes to like, you know, um, willfully abstracted art, you know, you gotta do a lot to, you know, string me along to keep me compelled to keep like, watching. Do you, are you the same way sexually? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, you just kind of, you can kind of kind of string you along and then, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, you gotta yeah. go in another direction. <laughs> always, always need diff- new stimuli. Always mm-hmm. get bored. Always, mm-hmm. get it out of my butthole. I mean, my God. <laughs> it's funny. I watched a movie like Amer and it, it, it just feels like a bunch of wasted talent, even though that's not even remotely fair. You Are know. you disappointed that you watched it? No. No. Would you, do you well, wish wait, you had that uh, time back? For Amer or Berber to Burian? Either one. Uh, Berber, Which, uh, Gerber, um, I, I, I was glad I watched it. I really enjoyed it. Um, Amer, um, I'm glad I watched it in that, you know, it kind of reaffirmed 
<laughs> my feelings on certain kind of movies. Um, I mean, I watched it like three years ago, four years ago or something, so I don't really wish I had that time back. I probably would have been spent playing video games or something. Artsy, fartsy bullshit. Yeah, it has its fans. I'm not going to shit on them, but, you know, it does nothing for me. Kind of the Vim Vendors or Wim Wenders Uh, (laughs) feel. If if Vim Vendors was obsessed with giallos and he just wanted to do really hyper-sexualized and hyper-violent stuff, then I suppose so. Hyper-violence? You're into the hyper-violence. You are... (laughs) I, I feel that... Your um, like a spirit animal was mm. probably is probably very violent. <laughs> probably you you in another life you may have been uh, like um, a ninja or a samurai mm-hmm. or Dick Cheney. <laughs> oh no! Wait a minute. He's yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> now another film that I watched that I believe you watched that part sounded like a mini yeah. bike. Uh, with Sightseers, I watched uh, Sightseers. That's I watched that Sightseers too. Yeah, and man. I, I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, a lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was like surprisingly touching in spots. Um, like a very dark. Yeah, extremely dark. But there were parts of it that like kind of kind of stuck with me. And then obviously most of it was just you know the. The Blackley comic carnage that's going about and the, uh, the knitted underwear. Yes, the knitted crotchless <laughs> underwear. Um, now who's the Joker that directed this? Uh, Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley, yes. Yeah. Okay, even though he, this guy must, like, have been when he was a child in a <laughs> witch's coven or kidnapped by Satanist or something, because no matter what, he could make Spy Kids 3D, and it would have some weird fucking, you know, <laughs> subliminal shit and mm. witches and the devil and all kinds of shit. Now, I'm so, not, yeah. yeah, I'm not the, like, world's foremost expert on uh, old Ben Wheatley, but I did hear that uh, Sightseers is his most accessible. Uh, Probably, yeah, because that goddamn uh, field in England, I mean, it blew my mind. I don't even know what field in England's about. Oh my God! What's the deal with Field in England, dude? uh, (laughs) I can't tell you because you have to watch it and experience it. Okay. It it will. I mean, maybe not because you know it just depends on what kind of a person you are deep down. I don't know, Mm. like the the things that have you've you've lived in your life, but Mm. I mean, it's fucked up. Okay. (laughs) That's all I want to say. All right. uh, If you get a chance. I don't know. It's just fucking weird. Okay. <laughs> hey, man, it's fucking weird, dude. It's fucking weird, dude. It, it is very weird. But it's very... It's a good weird, I think. Okay. Uh, Loaf. The, well, the name... The, uh, I don't know if I can say his name now, that these in contract negotiations. <laughs> so I will say the... the uh, uh, the artist uh, formerly really liked it. Yeah, the artist formerly known as Pickleloaf enjoyed it. Pickleloaf, what a yeah. silly name! <laughs> it's always funny how it all like people have their uh, their nicknames, but then it always just kind of gets whittled down. Pickleloaf yeah. is no longer Pickleloaf; he's just Loaf. You're just Zom, Sammy, Will. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is. Well, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. But um, 
Metal Mikey, everyone just calls him Metal, you know. But uh, I, I really like the scene in uh, Sightseers where they're in that <laughs> they're in that one couple's camper, and you know she tries to give that dog a crisp or a chip, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they just like knock over a, a bowl. Just yeah, just like, like this. little revenge things. I used to be I love like, little that. like that. I always wanted to, you know, no matter what, even if it was a small round of revenge, like peeing in somebody's gas tank or something like that, they would never know. But mm-hmm. there, but you know, I would be like, <laughs> fucker. So, so if you come to Horror Hound and something funky get, happens, you, you know, yeah. you know what's what. You know what's up. Sometimes, listen, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Because I will say this, uh, would you rather have someone smear some dog shit under the handles of your car door or slit your fucking throat? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I should answer that. Yeah. I don't know if you're, I, I don't, I don't know what you're at, what, at, what you're actually asking me right now. So I'm just going to not respond. Yeah, you better not respond. Yeah, I'm just not, it's not going to happen. Um, I'm looking at the poster for a field in England. It almost looks like a, like the cover of a book that I read and it'll blow your fucking mind. It will, um, it, it, it's weird. This is, it is interesting. Uh, Fleeing for their lives, a small party abandoned their Civil War Confederates and escaped through an open... Anything that they're saying there, it doesn't even fucking matter. You can say <laughs> four guys went to McDonald's and got Big Macs. And it does, none of that will even... It does what, Whatever you think that the synopsis is or what it's about, it's not. it doesn't even fucking matter. Well, you this just, must have been written by, a, by an Englishman because he just... Wait, Civil War oh, Confederates? They're all fucked up. And then the next one says English Civil War Whitehead, a nervous royalist. Yeah, I, I, I'll probably just have to see it. Is this uh, like available on like iTunes or Netflix or? It will be available to you. It's just out and about. Shortly. It's out in the uh, ether, so to speak. In the ether. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta grab it. Yeah. All right. I'll, cool. I'll I'll, uh, I'll talk to my people <laughs> and uh, see if we can get you a screener. Okay. Great. Fantastic. Um, I love that euphemism. I got a screener. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I watched. I watched the first episode of, uh, the second season of Banshee, which is a Cinemax original series, and it's quite. Is that about, like, uh, Sean Cassidy of the X-Men? No, I wish. Or however he makes that noise. Well, this one's better. It's, um, if you have a, a, a fetish for Amish women, this might satisfy that. I'll tell you what, I've seen um, some fucking hot Amish young Amish chicks. Yeah, did they sell you a pretzel or a nice loaf of bread or something? Watch that, um, dev, uh... Devil's Playground, where mm. they go on the Rumspringer. Some of those chicks, when they take off all that shit and they just dress normally, holy, there was one of them in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'd like to get her on the Rumspringer. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, the first episode of the second season is pretty sweet. It has a, uh, a, a former Amish gentleman who is now a, uh, he's kind of the, the town kingpin. Uh, he's up to nefarious deeds, and he's having sex with a busty black woman while Yum. his uh, uh, Amish slut niece watches on, admiring his giant cross tattoo. Um, so this is kind of the kind of show that you're you're dealing with. Also, it's extremely violent, and uh, it's it's really really fun. I know uh, old uh, Paul from Manchester really really enjoys it, and uh, so does uh, Mr. Fabian. 
So I'm in good company. I think even uh, Sleepy Chris likes it. It's very sleepy. Yeah. There's a picture that uh, um, Rob uh, posted on the uh, on the mid- on the Midnight Group where Midnight she, she did look very very sleepy. But this is Inside Baseball. I should be talking. Yeah. Uh, but that's all I watched. Well, I watched a little bit more. Not a lot. It's not the usual silver and gold standards because it is hockey season. Yes. And I like hockey. Uh, been watching some more college hockey, like Harvard versus Yale and Penn State versus ah. Minnesota. And uh, we have a channel. It's called uh, – it's like the Big Ten channel. Uh, so yes. we just get that. And, man, mm-hmm. you know, you'll turn it on there. And they have some – they have <coughs> – I guess Penn State must have just recently uh, built a new – um, ice hockey arena for their team, huh. and uh, man, the people are into it. Uh, nice, uh, you're drawing a, a like a packed house. I, I've seen some games um, where there won't be a lot of people at some of the, at some of these games, but Jesus Christ, I mean, you know, Minnesota, the the Golden Gophers are number mm-hmm. one in oh. the nation. And so that was a that was a hell of a game. And then of course the Harvard Yale. Oh my God, a Yale man. Um, <laughs> That's the huge rivalry that goes all the way back to like, uh, you know, 12 AD or something. The field in England. Field, yeah. Before yeah. that, when the dinosaurs <laughs> were walking with Jesus. Okay, <laughs> let's get into. Let's cut out the banter because I noticed oh, the last okay. show there was way too much banter. My apologies. We're good. No, it was me. Oh, okay. I was I was so excited about having you on the show and not having to deal with that prima donna <laughs> that uh, you know it's like oh my god a real person. <laughs> All right, it, it, here's the deal. We've always said this uh, at work. Uh, like if you call off or it's your day off, uh, when you're not there, you're gonna get fucking brutalized. So <laughs> when you're not here, you're free game. Of course, we don't record that. So um, I watch now some of these movies. Might be near and dear to your heart or in your wheelhouse. Oh, eh? yeah. Right. Yes. Um, the first one is Viva Chiba, the Bodyguard, <laughs> starring Sonny Chiba. Nice. Yeah. Um, I have a really um, cheapy, uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Thing. Double feature deal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's you know pretty pretty crappy uh, quality uh, transferred to DVD, but it's still fucking fun as shit. This movie was awesome. Mm-hmm. I like Sunny Chiba. I like that um, they at the beginning of this uh, there were two uh, what I will refer to as karate dudes in a <laughs> dojo, and one of them was using Bruce Lee style, which would be Jeet Kune Do, mm-hmm. and uh, or Jeet Kune Do. I don't know, whatever. Whatever. Um, and the other guy was doing Sonny Chiba style, and they would one of them would do one thing, and the other one would do the other, and he'd be like, "If Sonny Chiba was in this situation, he'd do this." <laughs> well, Bruce Lee was more like this. But the thing is, um, I think that's probably uh, them trying to promote Sonny Chiba as the heir apparent to Bruce Lee after he died, of course, and was killed by those uh, ninjas. <laughs> um, but Sonny Chiba's style may not be as fast, as crisp, mm-hmm. and as, um, I don't know, uh, his it, his style is not as flashy, mm-hmm. but he try, they try and make up for it by having him uh, be more vicious and brutal. Yeah. 
like punching someone and then blood comes pouring out of their mouth or <laughs> breaking somebody's arm and you can see the bone or pulling some guy's cock fucking off his body. It's so fucking awesome. Um, and he makes those fucking faces, which are great. And, and the eyebrows, the mm. eyebrows are just fucking awesome. Awesome eyebrows. Now, Sonny Chiba in this movie has a press conference at the very beginning of the movie to like the world. I mean, this is like a fucking, you know, AP press conference that he is going to uh, take on the drug cartels. And the way he's going to do this is anybody that needs him to be a bodyguard, he will take on the job. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, what that has to do with anything, but I guess that's his job, like he's a bodyguard. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, he fucking just kicks ass. They had some really cool... Uh, uh, characters in this uh, with the bad guys because you had different factions. It was almost, it really wasn't like, um, uh, oh god, not Sanjuro, but um, Yojimbo. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it wasn't like he was playing them against each other, but there were different factions, and and he was kind of he was on the side of the one with the hot chick, of course. Uh, but then she had a kind of a a, a boyfriend, ex boyfriend kind of guy that wore sunglasses and always would pull out a switchblade. He was Yakuza. Mm. And everybody would stop in their tracks. Like if somebody was in his bar and causing stir and starting shit, all you have to do is walk up beside of him and he'd fucking flip that switchblade open and they'd shut the fuck up. <laughs> so you had some cool shit there and you had this one thug at the end. Uh, well, he was kind of through it a couple, a, a little bit, not just at the end. Uh, but he was kind of a bruiser, kind of a, uh, a bad guy. And he had a shotgun and a, bandolier over his shoulder with the shells in it so but then you know they were kind of you know with chiba there was a drug thing going on but maybe not blah 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 blah. but this was it's entertaining i would Mm -hmm. like to see one of these movies uh be uh you know kind of cleaned up and full screen yeah, because you miss a lot yeah you can tell on a regular tv even it, it it was um what you call that shit? A <laughs> letterbox. Uh, but you, yeah, yeah. But you still, I mean, you could tell it's not made to fit the screen, and you, you're you're missing a lot. Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that there's a very, very awesome, magnificent print over in Japan. Yes. But they, they've got this silly thing where they just refuse to put English subtitles on almost anything. Uh, most of them, you know, want to hold out so they can, you know, put the screws to some... Uh, DVD label and make them pay top dollar. It's it's stupid. Well, it's pay the, top dollar, motherfuckers. Yeah. But you know you have to have a market for it. So of course, yeah. Oh, you would think after uh the after Christian Slater dubbed Sonny Cheap as the <laughs> baddest motherfucker in martial arts going today, that maybe that would have helped. But you know, and Tarantino, yeah. no Jesus Christ. Why didn't he get his fucking big head, fucking ass? And and uh, you know he's always putting out these things. You know, uh, uh, a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, yeah, Quentin Tarantino and, presents. Yeah. Bleh. Yeah. Okay. The next thing I watched was a 2011 movie uh, called Seeking Justice, mm-hmm. and this was starring Nicolas Cage and Guy Pearce and mm-hmm. a piece of wood known as January Jones. Uh, <laughs> so just. It's, it's because I mean I'm guessing she isn't terrible in Mad Men, but is she like she's just terrible in everything, isn't she's she? Blah. Yeah. 
You know, I never had watched Mad Men, and I just kept seeing her picture and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, this girl's really pretty. She's hot. You know, she's pretty and everything. She's so vanilla that it's unfucking believable. But that's made up for by Nicolas Cage in this movie. Seeking Justice. Is this directed video? Did this ever come out in theaters? I don't think it was directed video. I think it was strange, but not for a long time. Yeah, but it's actually pretty good. Um, It's a thriller. So is Guy Pierce the villain? Guy Pierce is, I don't want to say. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, but he is very good in this. Awesome. And there's a dude in this that I see in a ton of shit called Harry, or Harry, I'm sorry, Harold <laughs> Perneau. Uh, oh, Harold so, Perneau? Yeah, Perneau. Yeah, and yeah. he was in Oz, and, and I mean, it seems mm-hmm. like he's kind of like dog shit, where, you know, he's everywhere. <laughs> because he's in this, and I mean, he's he's very good. I, I, awesome. I know why people use him, because he's good. But this yeah. is pretty good. This is a, a cage, you know. He When he lost all his comic books, somebody stole them all, and then he kind of went in, in debt and everything, you know. Uh, not in debt, but he kind of squandered all his money away. He started putting out these, uh, uh, you know, there for a while he would pick pretty good projects or at least mm-hmm. something interesting. This is, but, I mean, it's not great, but I, I put it off for a long time, and then when I watched it, I was like, hell, this is pretty good, you know. Oh, nice. <clears throat> this has uh, Xander Berkeley in it, who is one of the uh, degrees of separation between Richard Gere and Kevin Bacon. There you go. I found, let me tell you something also, I found another, which I will tell you uh, when we start to review the movies, another connection. Ah. Oh, man, my stomach's churning. (laughs) Hurry Uh, up, hurry up. (laughs) I think I can hold out, maybe. Um, (laughs) The next thing I watched was uh, an oldie. Now, uh, Seeking Justice was on, ooh, uh, was on uh, (laughs) Netflix Instant. Oh, it is? Okay. uh, this is also on Netflix Instant, and it's a an oldie, old black and whitey hmm. uh, from 1957 called Five Steps to Danger. Um, <laughs> it was directed by and written by Henry S. Kessler. Uh, and one of the reasons I watched it is because I like Sterling Hayden, and he hmm. is the star of this. Um, Sterling Hayden, uh, I don't think – I wouldn't say he was notorious, but he um, – Wrote and he's a very good writer. I mean, he wrote some novels and stuff like that. Uh, if you get a chance, get the book *The Wanderer*. Okay. Uh, Sterling Hayden. Um, he. Oh my God, dude! We may have to take a break. <laughs> hey man, do what you gotta do, brother? Talk, talk a little bit. Talk, talk about. Um, let me. Let me give How you. How long talk. am I gonna have to talk? Huh? Legit. How long am I gonna have to talk? Like about two seconds. Seriously? All right. Cool. Yeah, it's gonna be a quickie. All right. All right. Cool. <laughs> talk yeah. Uh, about uh, Panama Canal. Panama Canal. Panama Canal is um, in the uh, Balkan region. I don't know what. It doesn't matter. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. Here, here, here's here's the deal, people. Okay. So there's this show called Banshee. And I'm going to tell you about it. I'm going to sell it to you because it's really, really good. And it's on Cinemax. You know, maybe you should just wait for the DVDs to come out. The first season is already out. You can get it for pretty cheap, about 30 bucks for a Blu-ray. You get 13 Honest to goodness, really good episodes. And it's a super simple, pulpy kind of story. But told with a, you know, a more genre flair than you would typically see on HBO. You know, HBO definitely has a certain polish to it. I would say there's HBO and then between HBO and Stars, there's Cinemax. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really just about this guy who's an ex-con, 
I'm talking about Banshee. Um, and he's trying to get his money back, and he's trying to reunite with this woman, and so he finds her in this very rural Pennsylvania town, and, you know, he ends up impersonating the town sheriff, and, you know, there's a uh, Ukrainian gangster after him, um, there's the local uh, kingpin, uh, who's a former Amish gentleman, there's a crooked Indian casino, as there always is, um, and it gets very violent. There's tons of sex in it. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's extremely entertaining. Wait a minute. It's surprisingly you, I mean, good. I guess it's probably depending on your uh, experience. What do you consider tons of sex? Uh, it, what's Brazzers? <laughs> well, I mean, within a, a, a normal prime time, well, even that's kind of stretching it for Cinemax. But um, for a quote-unquote legitimate TV show. Well, I got to tell you, people. Now, listen. There, I don't. There's no secrets between um, Doctor Zom and the fan base of Silver and Gold. Mm-hmm. I was speaking to Jake McClard Huge. Uh, I'm sorry, Jake. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Man Wolf. Um, <laughs> Before the show, and I told him uh, that I had a couple days off, and I, I didn't plan on leaving the house, and also that I was um, kind of worried that when I went to the wall fart to get my new headset that I wouldn't have to go to the bathroom. Uh, there, I believe Soundgarden had a song out, and some of you people that are like, uh, you know, feed your ears, uh, uh podcast group or uh, love that album and stuff like that, that, that no sound garden. They had a classic hit song called, and, 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 um, it was called cha cha cha. <laughs> and, um, the, it, the, uh, some people say that they plagiarized it, but no one could, I think the actual original was public domain, but the, the, um, the lyrics goes something like diarrhea, cha-cha-cha, diarrhea, <laughs> cha-cha-cha. And that's why I said, you know, it wouldn't be long. Uh, and so I had a wave of... Uh, oh, wow. If I seem distracted... That's like, efficient. Yeah, when, like, Jake was maybe talking or something, I seemed... I wasn't distracted. I was I was using all my inner chi <laughs> to, to uh, ignore the cramping. Yeah. So anyway, we may have a couple of those moments, but... Five Steps to Danger with Sterling Hayden. It also, there was somebody, now these are kind of cheapies, but Sterling Hayden, <coughs> like I said, he, he was known to, he's a man's man. He was in the uh, OSS in World War II, parachuted behind enemy lines in, in um, Market Garden to, to help the, the uh, uh, partisans oh, wow. and this and that. And he was a, uh, a ship's captain. He liked to sail. And stuff like that. And he would even say that he made some of these movies, a lot of them. He hated acting. He thought it wasn't a manly thing to do. And, um, uh, but he did it to pay, to pay his bills, to pay his alimony and child support and all this shit. And, um, so he made some movies like this. Uh, but it's, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for the old black and white, simpler kind of noir, uh, uh, movies, even if they're not really great ones, and this one wasn't a great one, but somebody who popped up in it that I did not expect. Uh, usually, there's a lot of uh, you might have like somebody like Sterling Hayden, or even uh, the whole a whole cast of unknowns, but uh, and he would be you know the one star. But uh, Colonel Clink, Werner Klemper, 
Klimper-er <laughs> shows up as Dr. Simmons. Um, there's this chick, and she shows up at this uh, roadhouse uh, or at a, at, a, at a gas station, which is also, you know, uh, mechanics and stuff. And she wants to get her car checked, and Sterling Hayden's there, and his car just went kaput. And so she's driving across country, and she says, you know, excuse me, uh, you know, uh, I'm driving across country, and I have to make it from California to New York and – you know, um, if if you, I'll pay you to ride along with. It's total stranger. So this is, but I mean, you know, back in the day, people did hitchhike. I remember when I was a young kid, and you know, people just hit a lot more hitchhiking then than what there is now, and people would pick people up. Mm-hmm. Um, so she pays Sterling Hayden to ride along with her, and some stuff. The, there's stuff going on that he doesn't know about, and da 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 da. But it's not bad. It's actually, you know, worth a watch. It's on Netflix Instant. Mm. Cool. Um, next thing I watched, yeah, it was not an Osmond Brothers, um, <laughs> uh, like a documentary or anything. It was 1944's Alfred Hitchcock directed Lifeboat. Oh, okay. uh, good fucking flick. Yeah, uh, I had never seen this. Um, haven't watched a lot of the cock. Uh, I've watched some of the uh, more famous ones, like with Jimmy Stewart. But uh, this is a classic. They even remade it. I don't know who was in the remake. I, it actually, the one remake took place in space, oh. and I think Ron Silver was in it. But this stars uh, Tallulah Blankhead, William Bendix, uh, and some other uh, Hume Cronin, who was in uh, Cocoon. If anybody knows Cocoon, hmm. very young in this. Jesus Christ, he was probably right. like eight years old. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was written by. Uh, well, they had a couple of different writers. Uh, John Steinbeck actually wrote, I think, the first oh. part, and then they kind of worked, did some uh, screenwriting and stuff around it. I did not uh, know that. Very good movie. Uh, the concept is uh, very good. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really makes you think, if you were in that situation, how sucky it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had no, I don't think I've ever seen anything with Cholula Bankhead, but she's got some spunk and some charisma. Yeah. I liked her. It's cool. pretty cool. Um, the next thing I watched was the new one. Uh, from 2013 called I Give It a Year. Mm. Um, this was directed by Dan Mazur and written by Dan Mazur. I don't know who he is, but I got IMDb up. And so, you know, I can sound not really that smart. The only person, well, there's a couple people in this that I knew, uh, which one was um, Simon uh, Baker and, um, mm. oh, what's that other fucking, Anna Ferris is in it too. It's a comedy um, it's got some funny fucking shit in it, but um, the concept is at the very beginning, this guy and this uh, girl are getting married. Uh, you know, they're they're at their wedding, and many drivers in it too. And many driver, the older she gets, she's fucking getting like really hot, milfish hot. I always like, thought she was. Yeah, I mean, but you know, she's pretty but, before. Like, in, but uh, even now. Hmm. more like hmm. you know if you were a young guy hmm. like if you were uh, uh, 19 year or tw- uh, 16 years old and she was your next door neighbor you'd be like fuck you know and she'd probably <laughs> be like 50 but she's hot um, she's uh, but uh, they're at the wedding and of course the you know it's the movie's called I give it a year she's one of the bride's hmm. friends and she looks over at her uh, husband and says, you know, I give it a year. Um, but ah, okay, okay. the guy in it, uh, J- uh, Jason Fleming, uh, who played 
I think uh, Doctor Jekyll in yeah, that weird redheaded British dude. Yeah, weird redheaded British dude. There's some yeah. people in here you'll know, mm-hmm. but um, it was kind of the the guy was uh, I, he's probably a comedian uh, that I don't know named uh, Rafe Spall, hmm. and then there's another guy that he's British I think in the there's another guy, Stephen uh, Merchant, who There's is a lot of British friend. people in this film. Yeah, uh, they're both very funny, have that manic kind of sense of humor. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, the whole time I'm thinking, I can't imagine that she would have married him because he was so annoying. <laughs> right. You know, and she was annoying. I know that once you've been with somebody, you can get into a stage where, you know, it's not working out, and everything they do fucking annoys the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. But this guy would have been annoying from the word go. So anyway, um, Rose Byrne was the main chick in this. Oh, okay. Uh, she's she's pretty cute. Oh, she's uh, great. I think she's awesome. Uh, let's see. The next thing I watched was In Your Wheelhouse, and I'm sure you've mm-hmm. talked about this uh, mucho times, was 2010's I Saw the Devil. Yeah. This movie is fucking awesome as shit. Um, <laughs> I, bought, I, I actually have it on DVD. But I wanted it for uh, my iPad, so hmm. I could watch it whenever I wanted. Uh, God damn, this movie is so brutal and <sighs> so good. I'm now, trying to remember if I ever bought it. I think I did. I just haven't gotten it back to it. I have it on blue. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a gorgeous film. I think, you know, there was there was a. T- I remember, you know, it, it's got that title, it's got the actors, and it's got the director. So, you know, when it when it was on the cusp, I got incredibly excited but then i heard the review from the uncool cat and big willie mm-hmm. and they kind of poo-pooed it a little bit yeah i remember that because i had never seen it and was you know i'm not the world's you know biggest expert on asian cinema mm-hmm. uh i'm you know learning more and more because of guys like you yeah. uh, uh but i remember when they reviewed this and I remember them kind of poo-pooing on it, too. And then when I watched it, I was like, holy fucking shit, this movie is so good, it's making my dick hard. It, it and was, I don't mean the rape scenes. Yeah, the exactly. vengeance scenes. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, like, I, I remember just being so crestfallen. I was like, oh, no, how could it fail? And then, you know, it took me a while to see it. But you know, after having seen it, I can, I can understand it to a degree because it gets almost uh, Looney Tunes-ish. Yeah. To, to a degree, but I think that's all part of, you know, how incredibly entertaining it is and how, all, yeah. like, it has some of the best fucking set pieces that I've seen in years, whether it be the taxi scene or the cannibal's house. Mm-hmm. You know, those are just master class moments. And um, it's written by the gentleman who uh, directed New World. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah, that fucking, hey, he's going to be somebody someday. Yeah. And you should, you should, uh, go see, uh, uh, this is also on Netflix. It's, it's called The Unjust. You should see that. Unjust. It's I a, started watching, um, is it, uh, Chaser or Chasers? Yeah, yeah, The Chaser. I started watching yeah. that. I'm about, uh, I would say 30 minutes into it and I really okay. liked it, but I, I started, I needed to watch Footloose and Officer and Gentleman. Of course. So anyway, Okay. <laughs> um, no, but uh, this movie, the the um, the they had to do, um, it had to be there, and it's right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. This brutal, um, savage, brutal, awful scene, 
which sets up the main villain's character. So you know yeah. what he is, what he's capable of. It is just so awful. Um, and th- so they make him such a piece of shit <laughs> that you want to – I mean, I'm like – you know what's going to happen each time, and you're like, yes, I want this to continue. I want this motherfucker <laughs> to pay the fucking price. And um, the hero is – I mean, he's like a machine. He is mm-hmm. – somebody told me, is like, you know, what if um, um, a serial killer or a serial rapist slash killer uh, killed James Bond's Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, and sure. That's how it was sold to me. I was like, "Fuck, that sounds pretty good." But the one thing is, he is so um, uh, the hero is so um, not robotic because uh, that's that sounds. That well, sounds he's, like he's a bad so thing. focused, like that's he's his so only purpose in life. Focused, yes, yeah. But the end, mm-hmm. I mean, it just—I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, it was so when he finally. It was uh, like he exhaled at the end of the film. Yes, it was. You know? just, oh my god, I yeah. love this movie, and uh, it's it's a it's a fucking good one. And Don't listen to that. <laughs> it's funny. I, I I like that you you know refer to Shaman Schick's character as like a a piece of shit because I mean, how often you know in serial killer type films do you ever characterize the serial killer as a piece of shit, which oh, is was, what he is. You know, and and. No, rem- no remorse. No, um, like Hannibal Lecter. You know they portray him as he does the stuff, but he only does it to people that uh, that uh, insult him or that he thinks he feels that are um, you know don't have any class or something like that. No, this guy <laughs> is a fucking jerk, and he gets off on the power. He he's exactly a yeah. Uh, and, and I love that actor. I mean, he's he's so good. And the thing is, I saw um, okay the dee 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 dee. Is it Byung Hun Lee? Hun Lee? Yeah, Lee Byung Hun. Yeah. Oh, Lee. Yeah, I mean, okay. Whatever. I, 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 I it, both ways are correct. Yeah, I know. It's all good. Uh, but um, what did I see? A uh, red two with Bruce Willis. And oh, that. Yes, he oh, awesome. is like the. He is the Carl Urban character, pretty much, okay, in the, okay. if you saw the first one. Um, but he's got the charisma, he's got the look and everything, but he's one of these guys that I almost would rather have him just do uh, Korean movies. Yeah, yeah I don't think his uh, English is enough to really even like get to the point where Hollywood is going to believe in him. Yeah, you know? but you know, you never know. I mean, you know, I, I just think that he, he would be I, – I, I'm glad that he – is getting to be in some, you know, major Hollywood stuff. But um, this, you know, God, that was so good. Oh, okay. The next <laughs> thing, watch, we'll move along here. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> well, I'm gushing and hiccuping. That, I hope that Anyway, um, <laughs> 2006 Mission Impossible 3 was on TV, mm. and I just happened to catch this. Now, this one. I don't uh, remember anything about it other than the beginning. Well. I know. One, I remember thinking it was good. Yeah, I, I don't. don't I, I didn't really either, um, but the one one of the standouts. Of course, you know it's got all the Mission Impossible action. Yeah, yeah. But one, you know, of course, one, uh, I shouldn't say of course because I um, 
don't know if people know this or not, but <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman is in this as the villain. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird to see Philip Seymour Hoffman take this kind of a, of, of a role. Mm-hmm. And he is such a bastard <laughs> that it works. If this movie, um, if they would have had, um, I don't know, fucking, uh, What's his name? Samuel Jackson or somebody like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some, you know, or or uh, Ben Kingsley or some British guy. He, he. It's not that Philip Seymour Hoffman. He doesn't have uh, like some shtick or some gimmick that he relies on, like petting the white cat or <laughs> or have like a fucking uh, patch over his eye or something like that. Yeah. He's just a fucking bastard. He's really intelligent, very powerful in as far as money goes, and he's a bastard. I didn't remember that John Rhys Myers was in this, and uh, I liked him in um, uh, the Henry VIII, uh, what was that fucking show called? That, oh, Tudors? Yeah, Tudors. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he was also in uh, Babies on Fire. He played fucking David Bowie, which it wasn't David <laughs> Bowie, but he was David Bowie in that. Carrie Russell. There's a lot of people in this. Larry Isn't that John Travolta movie where he, he had that weird – John Travolta had a weird – uh, From Paris with Love. Yeah, 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 yeah. John Travolta was, like, trying to butch it up, but he just seems more gay the more hard-ass he tries to be. <laughs> I don't, I mean, the, the guy just needs to, I don't know though, you know, I mean, whatever floats your boat, I don't give a fuck. I liked that from, Par- uh, from Paris of Love. I thought it was yeah, a good yeah. action-y thing, and he just ate up the fucking whole screen with his big fat ass and shaved bald head. <laughs> Not shaved, well, shaved on the sides. <laughs> okay, next thing I watched was 1970s Kelly's Heroes, yeah. uh, directed by Brian G. Hudson. <laughs> Starring Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas, Don Rickles, Carol O'Connor, Donald Sutherland, Gavin McLeod, Stuart Margolin, uh, let's see, Harry Dean Stanton. There's a whole <laughs> fucking bunch of people in this. Uh, this is just a fun fucking movie. It's a World War II movie. Um, kind of along the lines of uh, A Dirty Dozen, but mm-hmm. uh, with a lot more comedy. Uh Donald Sutherland is fucking hilarious in this. Um, if you ever watch Don Rickles uh, talk about uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, I guess they were must have become friends, or maybe they were friends before they made this movie, but they kind of became lifelong friends after this movie. Hmm. Uh, and um, it's just fun, and they talk about you know when they were in uh, Yugoslavia making this fucking thing. It's nice. um, it's a classic. Yeah, man. Tell these fellas. Uh, it's Barbara. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, next thing I watched was another oldie. I like old movies. Yeah, you I, do. I'm not a snob. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe I am a snob because I do like old movies. 1943's uh, Action in the North Atlantic, mm-hmm. starring the other guy that used to be on the show and still might be if he can fucking uh, not uh, keep asking for so much money and so many perks. Uh, is uh, his favorite actor, or one of his favorites, Humphrey Bogart. It also has um, a guy who some of you may be familiar with, probably a lot more familiar with his son, which brings up a kind of a sad subject. Uh, It's Alan Hale, and Alan Hale Jr. was the skipper on Gilligan's Island. Now, that brings up the fact that the professor from Gilligan's Island... Yeah, he just... And also Reuben Kincaid from the Partridge family. So anyway, but this is a good movie. It's, um, it's, uh, what is it? 
Well, it's made in 1943, so it was during it was made during World War II, and then uh. it's about World War II. But it's basically, you know, they like John Wayne made the movie The Fighting Seabees, which were the uh, the guys that uh, did uh, like the engineers in World War II that would have the bulldozers make the roads, the mm-hmm. the landing strips on islands, and things like that. And then you might have one about the Marines and the Army. Well, this was about the merchant Marines. A merchant marine ships that brought all the supplies and everything. Oh, right, right, yeah. And um, at at first they were unarmed, mm-hmm. and these uh, wolf pack um, U-boat wolf packs would just kind of cruise around and find these ships and blow the fucking shit out of them. Yeah. And it's kind of like lifeboat, uh, where you know you get sunk and you're out in the middle of fucking nowhere, mm-hmm. and you better hope that you get a goddamn SOS out. That and uh, so, but even if you do, yeah. Uh, like now we have satellites and stuff that can see everything. They just kind of had to send planes out and and uh, fly around and hope in this vast, huge ocean that they'll spot you and you're out there on some little tiny life raft. But um, that's just a part of it. It, it. You know, it goes on from there. But it's very good. I really liked it. Um, just a, an interesting thing. I didn't know that much about the Merchant Marines except that in Rich Man Poor Man, Nick Nolte who played Tom Jordash, was in the Merchant Marines, and he got in a fight with uh, Falcon Eddie, uh, who was played by William Smith, and he fucking knocked his eye out. (laughs) Uh, That's so good, because William Smith raped his uh, buddy on the ship, got him down in the cargo hold, and fucked him up the ass. This was a TV fucking, this was a goddamn... uh, it was a novel, but it was a miniseries. And uh, this was, I think, what really when Nick Nolte was really discovered. And Peter Strauss was his brother because it was Rich Man, Poor Man. And Peter Strauss was Rudy, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Nick Nolte was Tom, and their dad was Ernest Borgnine, and he used to beat Tom. Tom ran off, became a boxer. So Falcon Eddie didn't know that because, of course, Will Smith – or Will Smith. William Smith was this huge fucking guy. And I'm telling you, he – if there's anybody that can rape another man in a movie and make it believable and gross and everything and make you think, God, there's nothing you could do about it because William Smith's so big and right. huge and muscular. and ugh. But anyway, he raped that guy, and Tom got pissed. Anyway, so that was that other movie with Humphrey Bogart. But anyway, that's Richmond Portman. Um, next thing I watched, another one in your house. Oh, wow. It's uh, Vim Vendors. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's 2009's Madeo or Mother. Oh, okay. Uh, nice. Directed by Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho. Joon Ho Bong. Yeah. Uh, I bought this at. Where did I buy this motherfucker? Oh, I bought it at when our Blockbuster was going out of business. Mm-hmm. Ran over there and I was looking through the shit. And of course, they had just like a lot of mainstream stuff that, you know, for the most part I had either seen or wasn't really interested in. So I went straight to the foreign section. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to hang with the foreigners. And uh, they had some good shit. And this was one of them I had never seen. I had seen the box art for it for a while, didn't know what it was about or anything. I really liked this. I thought it was very nice. good. It was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking that uh, it was going to be some reven- revenge flick where this <laughs> turns into the Punisher or something, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, yeah, but it was a lot different, uh, uh, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, very sad, very... Yeah. I mean, that uh, I, I can't remember the actress's name, but she she knocked uh, it out of the park. Kim 
Hai Ja. Yeah, I mean, Hai she was heartbreaking. She was fantastic in it. Usually, most Asian they pronounce the hard J, don't they? It's not. It's not. Yeah, young. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and H Y E would be. Yeah, Yuri's sister's name is Jury, so... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, for that director, I think that... Uh, and this probably speaks more to his uh, talent or his uh, typical quality more than anything else, but I would say that is my least favorite of his. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else, so it's my least and best favorite. Well, brother, <laughs> there is a, a, a film that... I, I, I need to get into your grubby mitts as soon as fucking possible. Uh, it's a movie called Memories of Murder, so I'll, I'll have to That's, get that to you. That actually sounds close. familiar. I, I probably listened to something about it on a, sh- a podcast. <laughs> it's a possibility. I got this for uh, Justin for Kringle last year. What? What's Kringle? Well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, um, but yeah, great, great <laughs> stuff. I mean, he's he's a director that you should check out, and you should check out Snowpiercer whenever it actually comes out over here. Snowpiercer? Yeah, it's his. Does um, that have Pierce in it? No, but it has Chris Evans, and it has um, Chris Evans. Uh, fuck, I'm gonna have to look it up. It's got a bunch of different uh, actors I don't even in call it. Chris Evans, Chris Evans anymore? I call him Captain. America. Just Cap. Yes, Cap. Yeah, just Cap. It's got a. Uh, Sammy's favorite, Tool Swinton, John Hurt, uh, Jamie Bell, Ed Harris, Alison Pill, Ewan Bremner, Song Kang Ho. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, let's see here. In a future where a failed global warming experiment kills off most life on the planet, a class Ouch. system evolves aboard the Snowpiercer, a train that travels around the globe via a perpetual motion engine. It's based on a comic. Uh, that sounds like a bunch of fiction to me. Because, well, I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, it's been cold as hell out, right? <laughs> we can just go right through this one because it's uh, Sightseers from 2012 uh, by Ben Wheatley. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, I'm telling you what. Now, you know, I'm not familiar with these uh, actors, but I, they were all excellent. Yes. Uh, Chris. Chris, Chris, Chris. I mean, it's like they, 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 it was just a joy. The you know, I just if, if, if for for it the some of the stuff that happens, saying that it was a joy to watch is kind of weird. And I'll say this: if someone's dog shits, like say your piece and let it the fuck go. Yeah, just let it the fuck. There there are parts of it that felt like a like a skit out of um. Curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> like people just pushing shit too hard. But there are people like that, like that guy there in are. the theater where, where uh, uh, the Come guy shot that guy in the chest. <sighs> I mean, this country, uh, and I'll, I'm going to tell you something, people. You know, these goddamn right wing radio people and Fox News and shit like that, I fucking personally, and the NRA, I personally hold them fucking responsible for promoting uh, people being so. Uh, this this whole gun culture. I mean, up until a few years ago, there wasn't all this shit. I live in West Virginia. Okay, um, I grew up. Uh, my whole family, you know, on every uncle, grandfather, you know, everybody, everybody hunted. I mean, it's a very. Oh, I'm out in the middle of the fucking boondocks, and you know, back in the 40s and 50s or 30s or whatever, you know, people hunted. People hunted for food. People hunted. Okay, but. Up until just a few years ago, this shit about buying goddamn assault fucking rifles, <sighs> carrying a goddamn pistol everywhere you fucking go. One of the reasons that when, you know, I was up 
when my friend owned his bar or friends, I had a couple of friends that owned the same bar, um, and I would be up there. You were not allowed, and and in, still in most places, you're not allowed to carry a gun into a bar. It just makes sense. <laughs> uh, get into fights at bars. People get aggressive in bars. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And if you have that fucking thing, uh, a black eye is not worth is not a reason to kill somebody. Right. And an argument over somebody talking in a goddamn movie theater is not a reason to kill somebody. During the previews. These fuckers yeah. have promoted and promoted and promoted paranoia. They have pro- – I mean, there are people out there today that sit in front of a fucking computer or work in a grocery store or work at a gas station that have fucking assault rifles. And I would have never have dreamed of having something like that when I was a kid. Yeah, I might have had a toy M16 when I was a little kid, and this is the same thing. These people are adults, and they're going out like my dad bought me this Mattel plastic M16, and we'd play Army or whatever, or Planet of the Apes, or Butch Cassidy and the Sundance <laughs> Kid or something like that, and we'd have toy guns. But when I grew up and became a man, you know, I but. I, they, they, ha- there are people out there that say that are uh, that are like, when the apocalypse comes, or when the race <laughs> war comes, or when the zombie apocalypse comes. I'm like, you fucking mark, that's TV. What's wrong with you? And they, and they have really, I mean, I'm serious. It's like a, stirred up a culture of paranoia, of hate, of fucking fear. These people are scared of everything. Mm-hmm. What the fucking hell's wrong with you? I told one guy one time, I said, do you live in, like, fucking Beirut? Do you live in <laughs> Afghanistan or something? Yeah, but you never know. It could happen over here, too. Go fuck yourself. You're a moron. You are a moron. And I'm going to tell you this, too. When they start that shit up about, Obama's going to take your guns. <laughs> Uh, I took a shit today. Oh, you know what that means? Obama's going to take your guns. Who do you think is putting that shit out? The gun fucking manufacturers. That's the, that's the thing that kills me about this. I They're mean, making so much money. Like, regardless of where you stand on, you know, the 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 philosoph- philosophical or you know, just uh, on principle, where you stand, the message that has been crafted. Like you, like so many of these people are echoing the very purposely crafted message of people that stand to gain financially. Now, whether yes. they are correct, quote unquote, in the long run, that should make you feel very uncomfortable. You know, and that that extends to everything. That extends to global warming. That extends Follow to gun control. That extends to socialized health. But I will say this. I mean, it's sad. I will say it's just this. a giant con. As far as the global warming cut goes, I don't think that there's somebody going around paying off every 97 percent of the scientists in the world. Sure. That's okay. that's that stands to reason. <laughs> that stands. That stands to. But I will. I. I, But even if you, I have, are fully. Even if you just don't believe that bullshit, you've educated yourself. You've come to a recent conclusion. You know the fact that so many people are stirred up by this and have suddenly become passionate about this of all things of trying to, you know, defend, you know, 
you know, deregulation and bullshit. Like, the reason why that is important to you is because people who have a lot of money want that to be important to you. Right. Like, it, um, why should people, why should anybody care if global warming just so happens to not be real? Like, why is that even a thing? Why do we have to question, you know, a, an entire conglomeration of scientists? Conglomeration. Um, I think that I know quite a few people, the majority of people, mm-hmm. might have a shotgun. They might have a pistol. They might have a deer rifle or something like that. They're not going to carry it around. They're not going to uh, – they're not worried that the world is coming to an end or the apocalypse is coming or and just walk around in complete fear. I know people that I personally know that I talk to every day that buy gas masks, that <laughs> stock up on ammo. They might have fucking uh, 5,000 rounds of ammo. They might have uh, six or seven assault rifles. They buy assault rifles like I buy comic books, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, ooh. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's just it's just amazing. And to have a, a, a poor guy that goes out one night with his wife to a movie theater mm-hmm. and doesn't come home. Uh, his parents have lost a son. His wife lost a husband. His kids lost their dad. And a former police captain or police chief shot him in the fucking chest because they were watching the previews of the fucking Mark Wahlberg movie, and the guy was texting. Yeah. Give me a fucking break, people. Get your heads out of your fucking asses. It's. Uh, I think some of these people romanticize. They watch movies like... And it's not the movies that are to blame. It's that they're morons, like Walking Dead or uh, Mad Max or some post-apocalyptic thing, or old westerns. And they think, man, the world was a lot better place <laughs> when there wasn't all these rules and regulations. If somebody said something to you and fucking run their goddamn mouth, you fucking just beat the shit out of them or you shot their fucking ass or, or uh, somebody tried to come and make you pay taxes, you shoot him. And it's like, give me a break. You are literally a paranoid moron. And <laughs> if you think that you're a badass or a tough guy because you have a gun like that, guess what? You are probably one of the biggest pussies in the fucking world because I walk down the street and I go here and there and I don't have to be armed and I don't go looking for trouble and I... You know, something, somebody does something I don't like, you know, have some fucking patience. Walk away. If somebody's doing that, move to another seat or whatever. Do whatever you, but don't fucking, don't start a, even a physical fight. Don't start beating on somebody or don't shoot their ass over something stupid like that. You yeah. deserve to go to prison. You are a fucking moron. And, and the thing, it, it's just, it's, even if you were to, you know, say, oh, well, you know, um, you know, he it, popcorn he, in his face. Well, no. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe there, not. there's no, you know, series of regulation unless it's, you know, like the most draconian imaginable where it's just completely outlawed. You know, very little could have been done to stop this specific situation. But even, even with that being a given, you know, there's very obviously something sick with yeah. this country. There's very, there's something very obviously wrong. With how things have come along and any sort of resistance toward 
helping things better outside of giving more irresponsible people guns. You know, like, why, why, why is there so much resistance towards trying to fix something that is so obviously wrong? Well, here's you you know, know? something. If, if you want to live with no government, don't have to pay taxes, you protect yourself with a gun, you know, uh, you can fucking shoot somebody if they do something wrong or whatever. Go live in fucking Somalia. Go live in the Sudan. Go live in fucking uh, uh, the Congo. Yeah. Go fucking over there and live. You're sitting here in your fucking paranoid fantasy world in, you know, one of the freest countries in the on the fucking planet, worrying about shit. Like, I, I, it's just amazing. And how's, here's another thing. Go join if you want. If you want an assault rifle and you wanted to become like Rambo, mm-hmm. you can go down to the recruiter's office every day of the week. They'll take anybody now because they don't have people signing up to go to <laughs> fucking war. Right. You can go shoot people. <clears throat> Man, it'll be so much fun. It'll be just like fucking Medal of Honor or Call of Duty. And then you go can fucking have, uh... <laughs> knock yourself out, motherfucker. Then you can have Jack Reacher hunt you down when you snap. Yes, goddamn yeah. it, right he will, and take his shirt off. Yeah. But anyway, we got off on a tangent, but that does, to me, I mean, one of the reasons I brought it up was when when it just blurted out of my stupid big fucking pie hole, <laughs> is it did take place in a, in a movie theater, and I know, you know, I've heard people talk about, like, uh, Alamo Draft House and places like that where they'll, they they say, you know, we'll ask you to leave if you text or yeah. talk on yourself, and I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Because when you go into the goddamn movie theater, let me tell you something, you get... Another thing that we lived without for years and years and years is texting and a fucking cell phone. They're a great tool. I use mine all the time. But you are a needy motherfucker if you can't go an hour and a half to two hours without having that son of a bitch fucking stuck in your goddamn fucking ear. Give everybody else a fucking break. You know, turn the goddamn thing off. You know you're going in there. They put a thing up on the screen that says, please turn off your cell phones, blah, 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 blah. Just do it. You know, it, you won't, you, even if you, you know, don't, don't, just fucking, ugh, I I hate this fucking world. Yeah. Not all the time. No, I don't. It's a good world. There's just a lot of fucking people that are, are, are stirring up shit. <laughs> And I think a lot of that stirring up shit has to do with the fact that us that us whiteies are become are going to rapidly become the minority, mm-hmm. uh, and this is we're turning into South Africa, you know, uh, during apartheid. It's kind of not that bad, but yeah. Jesus Christ, there's people that are scared to death. They they think that uh, you know what they're really scared of is. They've treated minorities like shit, and they're afraid that uh, they're, oh, God, the chickens are going to come home to roost. <laughs> what if we're the minority, and what if they treat us like shit and, and make us sit in the fucking back of the goddamn bus and, you know, all that crap? Whatever. But Jesus Christ, people. Let's talk about Footloose. Yeah. Let's talk about, well, Jesus, that movie. <laughs> There's some shit in that, that, that that's directly, uh, <laughs> well, not directly, but it sort of has to do with what we were just talking about. A little bit. So if we go like this, cut right here. Yeah. And then we go, okay, we're back. 
<laughs> well, we need to we need to transition better into it. So we're just gonna say that was that all your films? Was that all you want to talk about? No, I'm done. Oh no, okay. I watched The Crucible with uh, oh. uh, Daniel Day Lewis and uh, the shoplifting chick. What's her yeah, name? What's her name? Um, Winona Ryder. Yes. And it also had Joan uh, Joan Allen in it, and she's always been kind of a hot milfish kind of a woman. Mm. I love Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, I love this movie because it also could have to do. Uh, well, it directly has to do with uh, uh, right-wing morons trying uh, to stir up fear and, uh, you know, fear, 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 because Arthur Miller wrote this, and he wrote it about the um, the blacklisting mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Senator McCarthy. Uh, are you a communist? Do you know anybody's a communist or ever a member of the Communist Party, blah, 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 and they would fucking stigmatize you and tell you to rat out all your friends and everything, so he kind of made this back in old Pilgrim times or whatever, and uh, it's very good. Daniel Day-Lewis is awesome. Um, I believe he was married to Arthur Miller's daughter, maybe hmm. still is, and so this is a classic. I like this movie, uh, and um, oh, my God, I took down the goddamn IMDb. What's wrong with me? Um, and I'm drawing a blank on somebody, so I have to... Uh, it happens. It happens. It, it's, it happens sometimes. Um, yeah. The uh, what's his face? Paul Schofield is so fucking good. If you ever watch Quiz Show with uh, oh, yeah, that was yeah. directed by Robert Redford, mm-hmm. starring Ray Fiennes, uh, Paul Schofield is so good in that. He's very good in this and uh, Man for All Seasons, where. Um, just we just talked about Jonathan Rhys Meyers uh, playing Henry VIII. Well, Robert Shaw plays Henry VIII in A Man for All Seasons, and Paul Schofield is is the lead in that, and he is so fucking good. I like Paul Schofield. <laughs> um, but that's it. That's awesome. that was one that was at the top of the page, and I forgot. Okay. Well, I felt bad last week because we didn't have a proper transition between the films, so uh, or at least for the first transition. So we're going to do that. Uh, do you want to do Footloose first? I bet, I bet that. Footloose. Yeah. So, we're gonna do that. We're gonna cut the break, and we'll be back with a review of Footloose. Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life, what are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like <laughs> you took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey short. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The okay. box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebags.
So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from the break, as you can tell, because we're talking. Um, we're going to review 1984's Footloose, directed by Herbert Ross. Gentleman who's done, um, I don't know, he's done other films. He has. Yeah. I guarantee it. Now synopsize this shit. Oh, shit, I just clicked off that thing. Okay, <laughs> a city teenager moves to a small town where rock music and dancing has been banned, and his rebellious spirit shakes up the populace. <sighs> and this, yeah, this, this city teenager's name is Ren McCormack. Ren, what, 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 what is Ren short for? Well, there's Rennie Harlan. Ren? Yeah, but he's foreign. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Ronaldo. Ronaldo. No. You you think Kevin Bacon's name in this movie is Ronaldo? Well, it could be. I, uh, I guess it could. Kevin Klein named his kid Roberto in uh, <laughs> Grand Canyon after Roberto Clemente. Really? Yeah. That's weird. You need to watch some good movies sometime. I don't watch good movies, man. I don't. That's, that's like the big, um, that's the, that's the man behind the curtain moment, you know. That's why you're so hateful all the time. I suppose so. I just feel, uh, insecure. Because yeah, that's that you want your friends to, uh, like you. I'm, I, I said, um, um, before that, uh, there was a tie-in, a, a, a tie between, uh, a tenuous link. It's uh-huh. not even a tenuous link. There is a person in this movie. That is also stars in Officer and Gentleman. And the guy's name is John Laughlin, and he plays Woody in this one, who is the big guy that, uh, like, when the three guys are gonna beat up Kevin Bacon oh. and he comes out. Well, guess who he was in Officer and Gentleman? He was the guy from the bar. Oh, he was that dickhead. Yeah, uh, dickhead. He got karate kicked by, uh, Yeah. Okay, but we're talking about Footloose now. So this is a John Laughlin Magnificent Bastard episode. Yeah. (laughs) Go figure. There you Um, go. Yeah, it it was like, this has got to be the first, well, I mean, at least since Saturday Night Fever, like a movie defined by its, like its success is part and parcel with its soundtrack, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like, I don't know, was there anything in, in between this and Saturday Night Fever? Like... Uh, I don't know. Which is such a risky... Cruising. It's such a risk. Oh, well, yeah. That had a good soundtrack. What a part of the world I feel. I see blood. I see blood. That's what it was. <laughs> um, it's such a risky proposition, because if your music sucks balls, then all you've got is Kevin Bacon with his stupid-ass hair. I want a leather jacket. I swear, man, I wanted to get some, like, hair gel and whip that shit into shape. It just, it bothered me. Whip that shit into shape. But yeah. that was the, that was the thing, man. If, oh, you were, yeah. if you were a hipster today, you'd probably be dressed like that back then. I'm no Maybe. city boy. City boy. He had a yeah. skinny tie, too. Yeah. <laughs> they gave him shit for it, too. Now, I'm, like, I have no Did you have, have you ever seen this? I had, but only when okay. I was a kid. Okay. Um, my my mom had the uh, the the um, soundtrack on tape, and I listened to that a lot. And I've seen the film, but as a uh, mature adult, no, no, I hadn't seen it. Um, and I'm, you know, I have no affinity for dancing. I'm not good at it. I don't take to it at all. I'm not fleet footed. I know. Are 
now you, you bust have bust out a piece of cardboard and get down there and start <laughs> spinning and shit. Now you have a golden voice, but do you, can you dance? I, I yes, I can. Shit, you are the complete Fuck, package. Dude. Damn. You just gotta be, you're, you know what, you're, you, I am like Ren McCormick, and you are like, uh, Chris, Chris Penn. Penn. Yeah. <laughs> and one of these days, I'm gonna take you out in a field, or on a football field, or in a gym, and I'm gonna teach you. I'm gonna teach you to dance. And I'm gonna fight people. You um, probably will, cause you're into yeah. that violence. Oh man, I forgot to talk about it during the first segment, but I watched UFC this week, Yay! and there's that dude, I posted about it on the group, but there's a gentleman who's from Cuba. He won a silver medal in the 2000 Olympics in freestyle uh, wrestling. His name is Yoel Romero. And he won a fight this week in which he got kicked straight up the back of his head and just walked through it. Um, oh. He managed to somehow punch the other dude square in the dick. Um, he then shit himself. Um, and then I might one of the better by shitting myself during this podcast. Yeah, and then uh, one in the third round. Go figure. You can't beat that because no. you see a big I, brown spot on them. But I will say this: if you um were in the middle of a fight where somebody's trying to knock your goddamn head off, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you're not going to be able to just stop, and and it would be <laughs> embarrassing if you did because it would be. Could you see like a big spot or anything? Oh yeah, you saw a big brown spot. It, it, it was probably the most pronounced shitting we've seen in the UFC uh, from an individual. Although there were rumors that when Chuck Liddell got knocked out cold by Rashad Evans that he shit himself. But you know, Well, I know that that's the thing. Like uh, a lot of times people say if, if you – when you get knocked out cold – well, definitely when you die. You know, well, yeah, absolutely. You expel everything. But yeah. sometimes when you get knocked out – and my friend who was the boxer said that, um, uh, you know, if you hit somebody – the right way in the right spot, you can literally make them piss their pants. Yeah, yeah. So you know, there you go. Well, that's that's fighting for you. That, Fucking that's, a. that sums me up pretty much. But my my whole point with the with it was, you know, the uh, the allure and the culture of dancing. Um, was it really going to uh, bolster this movie for me? Like, this isn't a subject matter that I am personally drawn to. So I, I was very intrigued to see how this movie held up, um, because I was going to be like, "Oh yeah, this movie's good. It's got really good dancing." Yeah. Because so it is terrible dancing uh, in a lot of spots, but that's okay. Um, I'm going to sneeze at some point. It's it may. That wasn't a sneeze. Oh my goodness! Uh, John Lithgow scares the shit out of me. He always has. He always will. Is he, was he the one that started in Raising Cane? Yeah, he's in Raising Cane. Yeah, he's a weirdo. He's a fucking weirdo. And he made Sylvester Stallone climb a mountain <laughs> to get some shit. Yep. Yep. And he uh, died in that helicopter with a really bad uh, rear projector effect. Fire! Yeah. But he's he's really fucking good in this movie. For what he is. He's absolutely amazing in this film. I really, really liked him. Uh, there's some other people in this movie. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Now, she looked a lot, but she really is thing. a person that got a lot. Ugly, not, I don't know if I'd say. You know, I don't even think it's the. She got older. Yeah, I don't even. Her nose think grew. That, well, her nose grew. You she know, got that, that mole got bigger on her face. <laughs> but like the, the the degree of casual shit that she gets, like you know, all the horse jokes and shit, like. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It feels like an inside joke that everyone wants to be on, be in on. You know what I mean? Like every time I see her, I'm like, you know, she's Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> she's got to be like my age. I would think yeah. she's under fifty, probably, or something like that. Like any because like any time she comes up, it's you know cue the horse jokes and shit like that. And I'm not like white knighting for fucking Sarah Jessica Parker. I couldn't give you a shit. Sound like you are. Yeah, I know, but it, it's just. I don't know. It's strange. It seems like such a str- like an odd thing to grab on. Well, it's mean. Well, mean girls bullshit. Um, she. Um, I'm telling you what. The first time I saw her was in L.A. Story, and Steve Martin was the star of that, mm-hmm. and she was hot. And if you see her in oh, and see watch her in um, uh, was was it Leaving Las Vegas? I know that was the one with the uh, no, the one was- with the. Uh, um, the one with Nicolas Cage, where he uh, goes to Vegas and loses her in a card game to James Caan, uh, she has a bikini on, and that man, she had a smoking little fucking body on her. Mm. See, I'm not shilling for Sarah Jessica Parker either, but there was a time where I'd have fucked a piss out of her. Uh, <laughs> she is the same age as me. She's probably just a few months older. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and I look like shit now. I mean, you know, you look like shit. It happens. Get over it. It does. Um, Let me tell you something. Now, the one thing that really stuck out about me, because this is, you know, a a rural town. I don't even know where it takes place. Do you know where it takes place? There's a lot of mountains. Well. There's a lot of, like, gorgeous mountains in the background. It's somewhere Midwest. It's a Midwest place where they have all those fucking uh, fields of grain. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Was that the Rocky Mountains? But it can't be. But it can't be flat, completely flat, because there are all those damn mountains. I was thinking maybe it was Idaho, maybe? Probably. You know, something like that? I mean, the, he's from Illinois. He can't have gone that far. But regardless, it's this podunk town, and it's obviously a town that existed before meth, because the, <laughs> the, the kicks that these kids get, like, like they, like, um, instead of, like, smoke and crank, they're, you know, climbing on station wagons and playing chicken with tractors. Like, they, they, <laughs> They call that truck the Barf Mobile, which I thought was a yeah, cute little. Uh, like the big deer horns. And yeah. The, the mean, stereo in the back. Jesus the back Christ! I mean, it reminded me of fucking. Well, I mean, this was 1984. That was my senior yeah. high school. So there was a lot of shit in this, including the assholes, the guys in school that are the assholes, uh, trucks like that, and guys that drove trucks like that. Mm-hmm. And that semi, like, it, it acted like it couldn't do anything other than drive at full speed at this car with this woman, like, straddling two cars. It's like, dude, truck. He probably didn't Stop. even see it. She was so fucking skinny. Oh, God, yeah. Ugh, yeah. God. Yeah, she, I think she's probably the weakest Part of the film, Laurie Singer. Like, I never found her to be very attractive. No, I didn't she's think she was attractive. She's skinny. She's kind of ugly in the face. I would have. I w- I'll tell you what. If I'd have had a choice, and I was Ren McCormick, I would have took Sarah Jessica Parker over her. Yeah. 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 I mean, but she had the red boots, and she was the. You know how yeah. a lot of times in school, you know, the chick that's like the one that smokes is the rep chick that is wild and everything. You know, you're just drawn to him. It's like the alpha male. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bitch. Um, now, cunt, like, as Will would say, <laughs> yeah, and cunt, uh, makes an appearance in an officer and a gentleman in a very crucial spot. Yeah. And it was a very appropriate moment. Probably pre- the most appropriate moment to ever use that he, word. Cunt, uh, yeah. what do you call it? Uh, cunt shamed her. Mm-hmm. Now, Lori Singer needed cunt shamed in this. <laughs> now, I have no 
perspective, so to speak, or anything to go back on. You know, I can only make assumptions, but this was really, you know, Kevin Bacon's thing, right? This was what defined him. This made him because uh, he he was in Diner with Mickey Rourke and Steve Gutenberg and all this. Ah, yeah, yeah. And uh, something that he saw, they saw him in that, and they they thought, well, because they want there was. If you look at the list of people that they wanted. Uh, for the the main like Tom Cruise or mm. whoever, it's the same with Officer and Gentleman. They wanted everybody. They come up with everybody and their brother besides uh, Kevin Bacon and besides uh, Richard Gere, and then mm. somehow they both got these parts and the just took of off. Yeah, history. So I was about to say he's such an oddball choice for this type of character. Like when I think of Kevin Bacon, especially. Yeah, like even from this era, like I don't think, you know, like heartthrob or or rebel and, and, or anything like that. And he like kind of has that uh, pug nose, and he kind of looks yeah. like like in uh, in Diner, he was kind of a a little shithead. So he kind of has a little shithead look. But this yeah. was the era. Goddamn, these headphones are they're real padded, but they're actually hurting my ears. Oh. Um, but he um he with with the kind of punky haircut. And stuff like that. I, I mean, you know, hey, pulled it off, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he. It's just like you, you look at him, and especially when you see how his career played out. Like he didn't, like this was even though this was the role that kind of launched him. This isn't a role that really kind of defined him. You know, like, right. like he made the most of this role, but this wasn't. This nah. didn't suit all his uh, strengths. And it honestly, is what it I, is. and honestly, I don't even know what his strengths are. I think he's just a solid actor. Yeah, you know he doesn't seem like a uh, an actor that belongs to a certain type. Which well, is, everybody knows him. Yeah, which is probably a sign of you know talent and smart you know uh, uh, role choosing, especially when you uh, get to be in wild things. Show off your big dick. Big dick. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, but yeah, the, like I the the soundtrack is really fucking good in this movie. But that god awful dancing in the sheets song. <laughs> it's, it's the part where everyone's just kind of like doing their white people dancing in front of that uh like burger joint. Oh and, my uh, god, when she when she got that boombox out and set <laughs> on there, and everybody started. I mean, that that's okay. Now here's the flipping deal burgers and getting. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of nostalgia in this movie, but this mm-hmm. and, and the now I I would have always said that the concept of this is so stupid, blah 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 blah, blah <laughs> but. Apparently, this was based on a true story. <laughs> there was a t- there was like some Midwest town with these holy rollers, and they banned dancing in the fucking town. Now I've you know my God, yeah, you should be dancing with your assault rifle. <laughs> listening to listening to some old uh, Haydn or Hank Williams Jr. Yeah, but no dancing, no no, no, no. dancing. No. But that I'm- leads to fornicating. <laughs> this is it's, the whole movie is just basically a bunch of fucking holy roller religious fanatics, and there are still people like that today that would, if they could, they'd go into the libraries and burn all the books and or burn certain books. The only book you need is the Bible, and you know just stupid shit like that. And you know it's just fucking ridiculous. But yeah. there are people that are that fucking they're fanatics. They are the American Taliban. Yeah. Well, and, and the movie is so damn sincere with everything, yeah. you know, that it it helps. You know, if you're going to have this dated subject matter and this, like, s- weird gimmick, you know, at least, you know, 
work with it with the, your heart and soul. And this I movie definitely laughing my ass off at so much of this because it is so stupid. <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing. I I, I didn't uh, go. I mean, I had seen this. I haven't seen it in a while, but um, I went into this remembering remembering it, and you know, when I started watching it. I was cracking up the whole fucking time because it is, it takes itself seriously, but mm-hmm. it's so fucking stupid. And the dancing is so fucking, you know, any movie where people just, at least John Travolta in, uh, Saturday Night Fever, mm-hmm. they were in a dance contest. There was a reason, if they danced, it was either while they were practicing mm-hmm. or, um, you know, or they were in, at the, at the disco. Yeah. But when you're just like, Oh my God! I hear music. I just I can't help myself. I got dance. I got, I got it's going through me. I can feel it. I got I got. <laughs> well, shit. There's the amazing, amazing scene where Kevin Bacon gets super pissed and he starts oh, rage dancing. Rage dancing. Oh my God! And it's like that performance was so fucking, dancing. It's like oh, performance. It's Oh my god, I wish Andrei Olavsky would have popped up in that fucking factory and just yes, like snapped his neck. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But, but it the was, thing is, oh. it was so, I mean, it, it reminded me of like, uh, the break-in movies or something where two yeah. guys would yeah. be on the verge that you think, okay, they're gonna beat the fucking shit out there, there's gonna be a fight. And they wouldn't fight. They, it, it goes like back to, um, what the fuck, uh, the goddamn Jets and the Sharks and West Side Story. Yeah, yeah. yeah they'd have gangs, like, but it wasn't like warriors where the gangs fight each other. They'd have a dance-off. <laughs> yeah. And it just became was so... Pissed, uh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, that whole scene, like, it's so, you know, obviously played sincerely, and, like, Kevin Bacon's really just, like, playing it up as theatrically as possible, and... I don't know why he's a fucking gymnast. That's a weird character bit, but they had a gymnastics team <sighs> in school. Yeah, they had a gymnastics team in this. You know why he town. was a gymnast? <laughs> he was a, he was a gymnast because um, they had um, Kevin Bacon's dance double. Mm-hmm. They had like three doubles. They had a dance double. They had a gymnastics double. <laughs> his and and shit like that. So I guess they figured, well, the guy's here. Mm-hmm. Let's fucking uh, yeah. Whatever. Let's get, let's get as much work out of these guys as possible. Yeah. You know, can he juggle? Let's have a scene of juggling. And he, and he wasn't going to be like a football player or something like that because he's like a little dude with spiky hair. Yeah. So <laughs> he, was listing, he was lifting those like bags of flour or whatever. I thought he, yeah. His little arms were going to snap off. And he had, you know how like uh, women wore the high waisted jeans back in that day? Oh, yeah. He had high waisted jeans too. <laughs> yeah, he did. But now that's another thing. Once you get older, you don't you can't wear high waisted jeans because you got the muffin top. Well, yeah. Well, there was that uh, great little bit, you know, it's the first day of school. He rolls up in his big city clothes, and he's listening to, I think he was listening to fucking Twisted Sister. I yeah, Bang No, it was uh, Bang Your Head. It was uh, Quiet Riot. Oh, Quiet Riot. That's Quiet what, Riot. I keep confusing Scorpions and Quiet Riot. Um, I don't know why. Uh, but, you know, it, it's such a funny moment because, you know, it's, oh, you know, he's rolling up. But it's probably because they were confused because they were wondering why this... 30-year-old dude was going to high school. <laughs> but uh, uh, let's see here. The, the, the part where... Because um, I think like there, there are two things that I really loved in this movie. Uh, I loved Sean Penn, or Sean Penn, Chris Penn, and Kevin Bacon. Their little bromance, camaraderie thing. 
I really liked their bit. It was love at first sight um, in the hallway. Chris Penn, he kind of gave me some like Michael Rappaport vibes to him. Yeah, like this kind of like doe-eyed. It, it's goofy. sad watching him in this because he looked like such. He looked like a, almost like a. I mean, Jesus, to me, he looks like a baby. I mean, he's so young. He looks healthy. Then he got so big and uh, all, you know, cocaine, all that stuff. And now he's, I mean, my God, the guy's fucking used up his life really quick. Yep. Yep. But I mean, he was, he was fantastic. Like if, if the whole movie outside of, you know, if, if the whole high school bit was just Kevin Bacon and, uh, Susie Flatchest, Lori Singer. She um, like a granddaddy long-leg spider. Yeah. She was just nothing but arms and legs and red cowboy boots. Like, if it was just the romance, I might have lost my mind, but I really, like, I thought they were really fucking good together. They were really funny. There's that, uh, lunchroom scene that was, like, inexplicably dickish, where he just, like, tells this long, elaborate story about scoring with this chick. Yeah, that uh, was Kevin Bacon does. And then he was just like, he's getting on, yeah. he's like, what? Really? Yeah. Re- oh, yeah, what? He's like, no, but we danced. We danced our fucking hearts out. Yeah, he played him. Yeah. Uh, there's some men at work jokes in this movie, but, you know, that's Footloose for you. You know. They didn't play any songs in it, did they? No, no. It was just uh, Bonnie Tyler and uh, Kenny Loggins. Speaking of Bonnie Tyler, I had no idea that she was a Welsh woman. But, man, that woman had some damn pipes on her. Pipes. Yeah, man, she could fucking totally sing. Clips of the heart, wasn't it? Was yeah, that? total clips of the heart. You know, um, holding out for a hero. Yeah, uh, you know what I think of that song? It always kind of makes me sad because that was the theme to that TV show, and I can't remember what it was called. There, John Eric Hexum hmm. was the um, he was the lead and the hero, and he the the whole concept was he was like a special forces guy who would go undercover to um, in these uh, country, other countries and everything, but the, the gimmick was he was supposed to be like a, uh, male model. Mm-hmm. And he, and, and, uh, they would do a photo shoot somewhere. And I think Jennifer O'Neill or somebody was his, was his, uh, photographer. But the fucking poor guy, it was like a Brandon Lee thing. That mm-hmm. show was mm-hmm. on, uh, I think one year. And he was on the set, and they had a prop gun sitting there, and he was joking around, and he put it to his temple, joking around, like somebody said, you know, uh, what do you think, or something, and it was like a long day, or a hard day, or whatever, and he put this uh, prop gun to his head, feigning, you know, God, I'm going to blow my brains out if I have to keep yeah. this. And he pulled the trigger, and the fucking wadding from the blank went into his brain and killed him. Yeah, I mean, it's so sad. Like, people think that, you know, blanks are just like, you know, these pop caps or something, you know, like, um, like a little pop gun where it just goes pop, and that's all it is. But I mean, there's a real kind of technique to, you know, creating those blanks. And if something goes hairy, you know, you can just legitimately shoot somebody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, uh, Bonnie Tyler, like, you know, it, it makes sense that, you know, the, the gentleman that, you know, uh, wrote all, you know, a bunch of Meatloaf songs and then wrote a bunch of the song, wrote a bunch of Ellen Ames songs and, yeah. um, like, you know, you gotta have a voice to make that work and, god damn, Bonnie Tyler. Um, god, that tractor scene. Um, <laughs> it's so straight faced, it's amazing. And, you know, you get the Bonnie Tyler song in the background and it, like, what are the stakes? Really, like, like, you know, you're going maybe 15 miles an hour, 
They were going pretty slow. Yeah, you're going maybe 15 miles an hour. You know, it's not going to be pleasant to run straight into a big piece of machinery, but the worst that's going to happen is you might flip over your head. But I mean, yeah. shit. I mean, what's what what what's what's the concern? <laughs> what's, what's well, the... you know, it's just, it's just a thing. You know, you got you got to test Ren. See even, if he's a pussy. Even when I was a kid, I thought that shit was silly. I was like, Mom, why is this happening? And she was like, Oh, you know. Yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do. You just gotta roll Sometimes with it. Sometimes you gotta fight when you're a man. Yeah. Um. He didn't want to be the coward of the county. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ren, exactly. I'll tell you what. Ren had some guts. He didn't back down from anybody about anything. Well, here's the thing. He might have if he got his uh shoelaces out of the damn thing. Yeah, that's true. He was probably ready to bail right away, but he was just like, "Fuck it." Yeah. I'll die What's trying. his name? What was the guy's name that was the sleazy asshole? Uh, oh God, I don't he know. Man, he was a jerk. Well, here's the thing, like, he just seemed like a cocky dick, for the Wes. most part, but then it just got, like, real lifetime, like, movie of the week, you know, during that one scene. And well, she gets the shit beat out of her a lot in this yeah. movie. Yeah, now let me tell you something about this movie that I find weird, and that I didn't even think about until just, like, when we started doing the show and looking at the IMDb thing. This movie's rated R, so it couldn't oh, yeah. have been targeted towards... You know, like high school people, which which is what you would think. Yeah. But it probably because first of all, it had the him beating the shit out of her, the violence against women. And did they uh, did they ever say fuck? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they did. I don't think so. So I mean, there were no boobies in it because yeah. there were no boobies in it. Oh man, that, uh, when they went to that um, the bar across the state line. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was out there dancing. That really showed off how super ultra skinny she was <laughs> and she just oh she looks so ugh. yeah not yeah, my type no 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 i like even as like you know not like maniacal but as you know uh strong-armed and iron-fisted as uh, all lithgow was i really really like that the movie like took its time with well, he like little the shit out of her too well I mean, yeah yeah, yeah. well absolutely but i i really like sure. the little bits between John Lithgow and uh, his wife, whose name escapes me right now. The funny thing about that was I read that uh, the woman that played her mother, Lori Singer's mother, Mm -hmm. was only like nine years older than Lori Singer. Oh, really? And Wren was 24. (laughs) So, I mean, he's in school, but he he pulled it off, though. He did look really young. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, But uh, continue talking. Yeah, uh, speaking of that um, scene where her Biff boyfriend beats the shit out of her, like I kind of like um, as I was watching it, I was looking up things because I remembered, you know, years ago hearing about this um, uh, guy who covered the uh, soundtrack for Footloose, but he did it like in a very slow, kind of sad interpretation of very weepy stuff, um, you know, acoustic. And um, I was, like, trying to find it. Then by the time I found it, I was listening to Almost Paradise. And it's just, you know, when that song is played super slow, you know, like the whole, you know, Almost Paradise. You know, uh, when you play that weepy, it sounds ironic. And I was listening to that while her boyfriend was beating the shit out of her. It was kind of a, like a transcendental moment. Um, if you hop on the Facebook group, I actually posted the link to the album. It's a... It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. It was uh, this guy's tribute to his uh, dead sister. Um, but now that I've brought the whole thing down. Um, one thing that kind of, I guess this kind of speaks to how uh, square I am. <laughs> how um, 
uh, I don't even know what you would say. Just square. Um, during the final scene, like the only thing I could think about was all the fucking glitter. Cha cha cha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I could think about during that final scene was all the fucking glitter and how obnoxious that would have been for everyone involved. <laughs> I've only been in like a like maybe one situation where uh, somebody there was like glitter like that, and for days, I mean, you'd you, it would be coming out of your nostrils and in your. I had I'd have like a little bit of it in like the corners. It'd be in your eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I will say this about this movie. Sure, it's stupid. It's fun. Even after so many years of not watching it and it being, it's it's dumb fun. It's still entertaining. The the dancing parts where they just throw in the dancing, uh, watching Chris Penn learn to dance was pretty pretty funny. <laughs> I love that. Um, I thought it it is weird because Lori Singer really, I don't know. She was she was kind of a. Uh, a, a, I don't know whatever happened to her, but the only I remember the one of the only other things I remember her in was this movie with Mickey Rourke, and it was called FTW, which stands for Fuck the World. But in the movie, <laughs> that was Mickey Rourke's initials, okay. and I can't remember. I think it was called The Last Ride, and he was a rodeo guy, and she, her, and her brother, her crazy brother, uh, they were involved in like uh, bank robberies or robbing of places i don't know what and her brother uh at the beginning fucks her up the ass or fucks her standing up doggy style Ooh. it was an incest thing mm. and uh Jesus. so anyway but it was a weird movie uh, <laughs> but um i can't say that i am sorry that we picked this movie no. because when i watched it today it is long it's like two hours long no, it's not. It's only about uh, it's only a uh, hundred minutes. It's not that long. Maybe I'm thinking of Officer and Gentleman. Yeah, Officer and Gentleman is two hours. This one but, wasn't that long. Um, I thought Bacon did a good job. Mm-hmm. Now I can't imagine. Uh, I guess if you're if you were an up and coming actor and you wanted to, uh, you know, have a hit, and this was a totally different time. But I mean, if they would have made this movie today, which they did remake it, and I haven't seen the remake, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I bet you these guys look back on this. If they had to watch it, they'd be laughing their asses off at oh, how yeah. stupid it is. Oh, but yeah. it's just a, that's the way it's supposed to be. The only thing that the only thing that that uh, really strikes a chord is the whole uh, Uber, uh, you know, uh, Christian right kind of a, a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that Ren stood up to those fuckers because you know what. <laughs> They deserve to dance. He even wrote in the Bible that it said that you should. I, I love that scene because, like, the, the, the conviction that he has, like, I bet you guys didn't know. They talk about dancing in the Bible, and it's allowed. Like, yeah. he's saying it like it's a silver bullet. It's like, dude, these people know. They're just being dicks. Like, there's no logical appealing to that, you know? I bet. And here's another one. Uh, for an R-rated movie... And maybe, you know, maybe this is, yeah, I'm trying to think back to high school in 1984, but, uh, when they would say, like, uh, Chris, or, uh, Ren asked, uh, Chris Penn about Laurie Singer, and he goes, I think she's been kissed a lot. And then <laughs> Ren says something to her, he goes, you know, uh, I've, you've, uh, you probably, or I, 
like basically I don't want to just join the queue yeah, because, yeah. but but you know I know you've been kissed a lot <laughs> but when she when uh, they're talking about her being kissed a lot she's out in the goddamn fucking woods with Wes laying on a blanket and when they <laughs> come to that scene she's pulling her pants on so apparently she was getting kissed a lot on the yes. and vagina Wes knew how to come through with it. He was sort of like uh, Matthew McConaughey in Dazed and Confused. I, I think he was probably the older guy. Yeah, yeah. That still, he was a townie, you know. I think he was a misunderstood monster. He, he was a jerk, yeah. man. And how about when the guy tried to set him, uh, set Ren up with the joint? Oh, yeah. You know, he's like, no, man. A... He goes, just take it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is such an odd scene that he's like, oh, it's tea, it's tea, oh, it's But cold. But I, you, I, you found out later that that was one of Wes's buddies. They were trying to set him up ah. to get in trouble. See, because that's why I thought, this is so stupid. Who yeah, would just I come never up to a total stranger and be like, I know you're from the city. Here's a joint. You yeah. can owe me later. You know, Take was, this joint now. But he was one of the guys that grabbed Ren by the phone booth. Ah, and then yeah. our magnificent bastard, John Laughlin, came out and <laughs> pinned all three of them. That guy looked like he was fucking 35 years yeah, old. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and he was supposed to be in high school. Because I thought, well, maybe he's just a towny guy that's an older guy. But then he was in the showers with uh, Chris Penn and... Uh, he probably was. He probably didn't go to school. He just came in and would take showers with them. Probably. Do you know how big my dick is? I'll help you guys out. I'll pin, him against, pin somebody against the wall. Yeah. But anyway, that's Footloose. Yeah, uh, that's Footloose. What do you think of Footloose as far as, like, uh, if you had to rate it mm. for just entertainment and, uh, you know, I don't know. See, uh, I think I think as I was watching, I was like, uh, you know, I, I wasn't. I, is there I, an Asian Footloose? Mm, I've heard that this was based on a uh, 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 was Run Run Shaw produced a, a movie <laughs> called Loose Foot. Loose Foot. And I kept thinking, what the fuck does Footloose mean? But then I re- I remembered the you know the saying Footloose and Fancy Free. Mm. That, used, that used to be a saying, so that's mm-hmm. probably where they got it from. Yeah, there you go. Um, Rate that fucker. Yeah, I, I I think that the movie really grew on me as it went along. Um, cause I was worried it was just gonna be, oh, it's gonna be me just kinda laughing at it. But I, I ended up being very entertained and enjoying a large part of the film, so I give this movie a 6.75 out of 10. Yeah, I, I, uh, I just caught just a little tiny bit of it on, I don't know if it was on TV or something, and that's what inspired me to, to kinda of fucking wanna watch it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when I started watching it, I expected to just, I was like, oh, God, i got to sit here and watch Footloose. But I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm sitting here by myself, and I was laughing the fucking mm-hmm. whole time. And uh, I thought it was still pretty fucking entertaining. It's a time capsule, so you got to, you got a lot of that shit to, you know, to look back at. I would give this a 7. There you go. Yeah, it's it's still it's still good. It's still very entertaining. It's obviously aged, but I mean well, that doesn't entertain. Mean, it even is yeah. worth watching just to go back and see, you know, yeah, Ken just, and those guys, you know, uh, when they were young. Yeah, just relive it. Just relive uh, what what it was like for a time in 1984 where they took it took a chance on some dude named Bacon. When Chris and, uh, Penn weighed 160 pounds, yeah. 360. A guy named Bacon was uh, the the lead in your movie, and you succeeded because you had a kick-ass soundtrack. Does cocaine? I you know you see some guys that do cocaine. Mm-hmm. 
And but I but Belushi did both. I mean, he was doing uh, oh sure heroin and cocaine and so. But I, I mean, I could see somebody who did like a lot of downers or like heroin or something like that that just slows you down and you don't do anything or whatever, uh, gaining a lot of weight. But like, I mean, I thought Chris Penn was smoking crack and everything, and I would think that that would make you just nothing. You know, you'd never sleep and you'd be. But but then again, if you uh, or a self-indulgent person. Exactly, yeah. It probably magnifies that, so. Yeah, it's all part and parcel. Yeah. Which is a shame, but, you know. Yep. Uh, so, uh, we're gonna cut the break and we're gonna go back with a review of An Officer and a Gentleman. So, <laughs> hang, hang loose, foot loose for that. Yeah. Are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast? Do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself, why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in? Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple of guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, Penis. I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. You woke up with a cock in your mouth. Would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big is the cock? <laughs> You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've... I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected. <laughs> to look like a smiley face. And on my left arm is cock and balls. And you notice I looked at my right Character arm. Character from an old that. Disney film. It's the prequel to Song of the South. Exactly. No, I have, it's um, called Song of the Cock and Balls. <laughs> it sounds like this. So when you think pop culture podcast, remember this. What's that thing between the dick and the asshole? The Are You Serious Podcast on iTunes or areyouseriouspodcast.com. And we're going to review an officer and a gentleman. How does that sound? I took several breaks during the last review. It happens. So that last one was bad, man. It was bad. Yeah. Well, you know, you do what you got to do. Here's my thing. Whenever I get the shits, it, it's usually in a rule of three. Mm-hmm. Usually, by the time I go to the bathroom for the third time, it is out of my system. Yeah. It's um. It is basically me suffering for my art. What did you eat that that has caused this? Uh, it, really? doesn't, it doesn't matter. I ate some... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I ate. <laughs> I had a delicious burger last night that had... Um, it was ground beef, little bits of ground bacon in there, and it had a, gar- a garlic aioli sauce, and it was delicious. It was so good. Yes. Delicious. It was so good. I wish I could have it again tonight. So, anyways, the synopsis for an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> These are not two people, I don't think. Um, okay. Well, if it would have been... See, I know I've seen this before, but when I saw an officer and a gentleman, mm-hmm. that is a hell of a title for a fucking uh, gay love story <laughs> yeah. or a gay porn movie. Of course, yeah, yeah. But, but well, you know, a lot of movies are like a true grit. That could be a gay porn movie. But as it turns out, it just chronicles the um, life of Richard Gere and where he comes by the exact mail. 
Uh, yeah, Zach Mayo. Uh, synopsis. A young man must complete his work at a Navy flight school to become an aviator with the help of a tough gunnery sergeant and his new girlfriend. Okay. Well, now, I saw this movie when it first came out. I have I not. Loose when it first came out. You had never seen this? Nope. Never seen it. Okay. I was familiar with it, with, uh, it's more, uh, uh, iconic moments, but that's about it. The first time I ever heard of it, I remember Siskel and Ebert when they had their show on PBS mm. uh, reviewing this movie, and I kept thinking, "Well, who the fuck is that guy?" You know, I, I had seen <laughs> Louis Gossett Jr. in uh, like the Rockford Files. Uh, I had seen him on a lot of you know TV shows or maybe like some old westerns. Um, so I knew who Lewis Gossett Jr. was, but I uh, the, the the scene that they showed was the I got nowhere else to go scene. Ah, uh, yeah. And I was like, who the fuck is that? I've never seen who the hell is that. But, but it was Richard Gere, and this you know he had no he hadn't really done a lot. Uh, he did a this was, American Gigolo. That's about yeah. it. This was his first, uh, well, yeah, like you said, American Gigolo was pretty big, but back then, yeah. you know, I, it wasn't something I was going to run out and see. And I, I, I know I've seen that movie, but I can't really remember that much about it. Um, but he was the, you know, hot young guy at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember he was in, um, he had a uh, part in uh, Looking for Mr. Goodbar with Diane Keaton. He was one of the guys she picked up in the bar. And Tom Berenger was another one uh, before the kind of before they were, you know, big names. Uh, and now Tom Berenger is just big. <laughs> <laughs> he has turned into an interesting looking human being. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very bloated. Uh, yeah. But still, he he gets some work every once in a while. Richard mm-hmm. Gere, with the exception of the gray hair, looks exactly the fucking same. <laughs> um, now, the, the, when this is our second R-rated movie of the show. All right. And I know why this movie's rated R. <laughs> but uh, there are several reasons. That within but, the uh, first minute, we get a very good reason that the, this be rated R. It is very um, gritty and sleazy. Zach Mayo's life in the Philippine Islands <laughs> yeah. with his dad uh, um, is, is just... It's amazing that uh i mean i think this was probably based on a book i don't know but um here his mother he's he, he's got a lot of problems his mother when he was a little boy uh commits suicide and then he is sent to live with his father who is this uh this uh navy guy like a it's not a sergeant i don't know what they are in a chief he's a he's a chief like chief boat boatswain's mate mm-hmm. in the navy He's a lifer. I mean, he's an old grizzled guy and everything. And he show and Richard Gere or Zach Mayo shows up, the little boy. And his dad lives over top of a whorehouse <laughs> in the Philippine Islands. It's Robert and, Loja. Yeah, Robert Loja. And Robert Loja is fucking awesome in this. And oh yeah. They cut a scene out of this, which I thought would have been awesome. And Robert Loja was pissed that they cut it because you only really see him at the beginning and maybe in a flashback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but. He is, let's put it this way, he's not the best dad in the world because every time I see this movie, I think to myself, I could not have sex in the same room, have a foursome with my mom. That would fucking gross me out. It would be so weird. But he, I don't think he ever treats Zach like a son. He treats him just kind of like a, hey, kid, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Boy, you never got it on like that at that jerkwater college you went to. He, he's like laying in bed with, the, he lives with these two Filipino prostitutes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
uh, for a graduation present, uh, he gives <laughs> Zach a foursome uh, with him and Zach fucking these chicks. And it's not the first time. Oh, because okay. he says, yeah, remember that time we banged those two chicks in Bangkok? The or stewardesses, yeah. Yeah, it's stewardesses. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, And Robert Loja gets up and he's big, his belly's kind of hanging out and he's got his fucking uh, skivvies on. Or I wonder Mayo's so damaged. Jesus yeah, they're hanging Christ. open. Now, and, and I'm telling you what, man, if I had hair like Richard Gere, I'd fucking be constantly running my fingers through it, too, because at the beginning, he's got long hair, and it's wavy, and I mean, I fucking envy anybody that has any kind of hair now. So anyway, <laughs> so Zach um, drops a bomb on his dad, and he says, you know, I got something that's going to blow your fucking mind. And he goes, you, yeah, there's nothing you can tell me that's going to blow my mind. Cause he knows, Zach looks like kind of like a, a, a cool hipster kind of a guy back then. Yeah, sure. This is 1982. He's wearing like a, a vintage kind of sweater and he's motorcycle boots and, you know, um, dr- rides a, uh, Triumph Bonneville motorcycle, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells his dad, he says, you know, I joined the Navy. And I'm going, not only did I just, I didn't just join the Navy like his dad did, a blue collar guy. He wants to be an officer and he wants to go fly, learn to fly jets. And his dad just totally fucking shits on it. And, you know, it hurts Zach's feelings, but he, you can tell he kind of expects nothing more. Yeah, he doesn't expect real support from this guy. But he says something like, you know, uh, What's the matter? What's the matter, Chief? You afraid you're going to have to salute me someday? So anyway, <laughs> then Zach gets on his motorcycle, and, and uh, they have the iconic uh, – they, they do that whole scene, and then he goes and gets on his motorcycle, and they start playing that music, and the thing, Officer and Gentleman, comes up. And I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. <laughs> so anyway, he goes to the, to the naval base, and um, – all the uh, new guys are, are not new guys and gals are you mm-hmm. know standing around in their civilian clothes waiting and CR. in walks uh, uh, gunnery sergeant uh, Foley, yes. who is Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah, Yuri had a, a weird moment of crisis because she heard Foley and expected um, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> well, he comes out and he and now uh, Louis Gossett Jr. won the Academy Award. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. Supporting. And you know what's sad about that is, is that they said that was the first, uh, Oscar of, uh, like best actor, best actress, best supporting or actress or actor, uh, that an African American had won since Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Guess who's coming there? Now that's fucking sad because that was a big, that was like 20 year gap or whatever. But anyway, well. Louis Gossett Jr., uh, I guess they said when they, um, were looking for somebody to play this part. They were looking. Uh, they wanted Jack Nicholson. Uh, they wanted Travolta, I think, to play Richard Gere's part, okay. and he turned it down. They wanted Travolta to play Richard Gere's part in American Gigolo, and he turned it down. There's two hit movies, and and Travolta <laughs> turned him down. So Richard Gere made a career out of yeah. Travolta's hand-me-downs. How about that? Uh, they couldn't get Nicholson, and so anyway, when they went to this naval base to do some research, they said they noticed that. Uh, a good majority of the DIs or drill instructors uh, were African-American. Oh. So they got Louis Gossett Jr. And I did not know this until I did some research on it uh, for the show, is uh, R. Lee Ermey, who was the s- sergeant in uh, Full Metal Jacket and Boys mm-hmm. from Company C. You know, he's real well-known these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a technical advisor on this, and uh, 
trained uh, Louis Gossett Jr. on how to be a drill instructor, and they said <laughs> they kept Louis Gossett Jr. completely separate from everybody else. Oh, that's except cool. Because they wanted him to be able to intimidate and for that natural reaction or whatever. Yeah. And he's very good. Oh, he's, he's amazing. They yes. give him so many good fucking lines in this movie. <laughs> uh, like, the first thing is like, oh, you bet you're at your orgies listening to Mick Jagger, bad in your country. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, a lot of that stuff, if you hear Arlie Ermey in Full Metal Jacket or, like I said, uh, <laughs> Boys from Company C doing his drill instructor thing, it, uh, I, you know he told him, you know, a lot of the stuff to say. And it, it's he always had good stuff. In you want to fuck me up the ass? Yeah, you want to fuck me up the ass? <laughs> yeah, they know that steers and queers <laughs> Oklahoma. He um, calls the poopy asses. At one you point. must be queer. <laughs> yeah, or, no, he said, why, why, uh, what did you call me, boy? You call me a you? You, yeah. A you is a female sheep. You think I look like a female sheep? Um, so anyway. Zach's love in this movie. He's fucking amazing. He immediately uh, exerts his authority and has them shitting themselves as they're lined up. And he goes down through the group and kind of uh, gives them all shit. Uh, de la Sarah. And a <laughs> cigar. Um, and then when he gets to Zach, Zach kind of uh, – when he does the steers and queers thing to David Keith, uh, Zach's down at the end of the line, and he kind of – he's, like, too cool for school. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't snicker and laugh like, you know, he like he's cracking up that he thinks it's funny, like uh, uh, Private Pile and Full Metal Jacket. He just kind of <laughs> is like, what a douche. Yeah. And, of course, that immediately draws Foley's ire. <laughs> and so Foley walks down to him and – uh, Zach's dad had told him, he said, you know, officers don't have tattoos, so he puts a big patch, yeah, patch. on it. It's and, a bad tattoo, so he probably should have kept it. There. Yeah, and Foley um, sees it, it kind of, back then. Now, of course, you know, today, tattoos are very uh, common. Uh, you know, they're very common, but back then, it was like a real blue-collar thing. Yeah. And so Foley's kind of, you know, he's piecing together about all these people, what makes them tick and what he can play on to try and break them. Mm-hmm. He does say, he says, you know, they, they, uh, it costs the government like $1 million per person to train somebody to learn to fly jets. Plus then the jet probably cost a goddamn back then, you know, millions yeah. and millions of dollars. So they didn't want somebody to fuck it up and crash it and everything. Mm-hmm. So his, his, his job is to weed out people that, uh, don't have the character or that, that don't have the fortitude or drive or whatever to do this. So, um, he also, the, the, the part about where they, every movie about, um, guys going into the army marines or whatever, where they, they kind of, with the, the whole basic training and everything, it always starts out with them getting their head shaved. Oh yeah. <laughs> and which is funny because, you know, they don't really show it that much. They just show De La Sarah, the little uh, Hispanic <laughs> guy come out and fully, you know, making fun of his hair and, uh, you know. but he, he I tells. Love, I, I love watching these movies and knowing exactly right away who's going to make it to the end of the film. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, you, you can kind of tell. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Uh, Foley drops a, not a bomb on him. He gives him a word of advice. He says, you know, there's these girls that live in this town around the base and yeah. they basically, uh, are looking, they're townies. Puget like, Debs. Yeah. They're, they're looking for, uh, uh, guys th- that are to, to marry a naval aviator. Mm-hmm. So they'll fuck them. And he tells them straight out, they'll fuck you. They'll try and trap you by getting pregnant or whatever. And then you're going to be fucked. So don't listen. You know, wear a rubber, blah, 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 blah. 
and they're just blowing it off and laughing and everything. So then you have uh, pretty much uh, the the movie is sort of in. I mean, it, it goes together, but there's two different parts. There's mm-hmm. Zach uh, and the rest of the group being trained by Foley and what's going on on the base during the basic training and everything. And then it's them when they would get, get leave because when I first watched this, I didn't really think about it, but um, there, there's periods of time that go by because, like, right at first they get their, their head shaved and then – they don't get their first leave for like so many weeks. And then mm-hmm. when they get their first leave, you know, their hair has grown out and then it, it progresses like that. But when they, they get their leave, they are not even the leave. They go to a dance and they're introduced to, well, we're introduced to Paula and, uh, um, Lynette earlier because they just come to the base. They're going to have a, there's a dance or something that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they just see him, and they're like, ooh, look at them titties. Bodacious tatas. <laughs> and so then later on, uh, they meet uh, both the girls at a dance. And, of course, Zach, or not Zach, um, Sid, who is David Keith, he's after this, that, the, the blonde with the big tits. The tatas. And uh, Deborah Winger is, you know, she's just kind of a regular-looking girl. I guess they said when they, when they uh, cast her, the director actually didn't want her because he said she wasn't fuckable. She wow. didn't look fuckable. Jesus. And, and told her that to her face. Wow. And they also did not tell her that she would have a nude scene in the movie. <laughs> and she wasn't too happy about that, but she had already signed the contract. So they said, hey, you know, you already, you know. Well, you if it's going to be with anyone, it might as well be with old Dick Gear. Old Dick. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, they immediately hook up, and of course, Deborah, uh, uh, Zach is, you know, a world, uh, wise guy, and he's just basically like, you know, I ain't looking for a girlfriend. She's like, well, I'm not looking for a boyfriend, or so. Uh, she's playing the part of like, just basically telling him what he wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Even though, you know, she's a Puget Sound Deb. <laughs> and that pussy, you know, it's a trap. <laughs> so, they, they, uh, when they have leave, they get together with the two girls and they go to mo- a motel and fuck shit out of them and drink. And, you know, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, Let's have a good time. Sid gets uh, Lynette in the fucking car. Uh, yeah. And just fucks her in there and um, it falls in uh, love. Now they there are. I'll tell you one one reason. Um, okay. This could just be a straight up like love story chick flick that mm-hmm. you'd be like, eh. but because of Foley, uh, the, the the drill instructor and and that shit, and the fact that it's almost like Billy Jack, they throw in karate fucking shit. <laughs> so oh I, my god, the martial arts of this movie are so shoehorned. It's yeah. Uh, oh. but think about it. They 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 kind of uh, showed. I mean Zach. Grew up as a little boy in the Philippines. He's running the streets with these Filipino kids that are, I mean, in these, these shitty, like, ghetto, you know, yeah, section. Yeah. And they show one scene where the, the Filipino the boys, like, beat the fucking shit out of him. And the one throws, <laughs> like, a, a spinning back kick or whatever. And <laughs> so then I guess Zach decides, you know, hey, I'm going to learn how to protect myself. So he's got some skills. Special set of skills. Yeah. Much to the chagrin of our magnificent bastard John Laughlin. Uh, <laughs> I love I love when he's introduced because they're townies, but they start off like, "Hey, warmongers, 
Yeah. Like, they're peace-loving assholes. You know? Well, I think they're just trying to start shit. I don't think, I don't think they're really peace-loving. I think that well, they just, if it would have been, uh, I think that's more amusing. A wrestler, they would have said, oh, hey, you know, all that shit's fake, or if it had been a, <laughs> a dancer, they'd have said, oh, you're a queer, or something like that. You know, so whatever they could d- just get understand. But, I just uh, like the idea of, hey, warmonger, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. They just didn't like the fact that uh, these guys just show up and get all the pussy. Their ice cream suits. Yeah, and they're like, you know, man, we're, we're here all the time, and these bitches don't want anything to do with us. They just wait for the next fucking crop, which it was kind of gross. But, you know, oh, yeah. any, it's like if you're in school, you can go to school with the same fucking chicks all the time. They wouldn't even pay attention to you. And then you go to college or you go to another high school, and you're the new guy and nobody knows you. You're the new shit, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Uh, Zach fucking, uh, he, he demonstrates his, uh, martial arts and fucking kicks <laughs> this guy in the fucking face and breaks his fucking nose. Poor guy. Uh, and then, and then Paul, when they get back to the motel, uh, I thought it was funny because, uh, Paul is like, where'd you learn to fight like that? And he was just like still on adrenaline. He's all pissed off and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Leave me the fuck alone. And, you know, <laughs> so they tell him to fuck herself. And then when she starts crying, of course he, he, you know, it's like, oh, come here. <laughs> come here, baby. But the whole time, Foley is um, trying to find their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Sid, who's the country boy, whose brother got killed in Vietnam. Uh, his dad was in the Navy. His brother was in the Navy. But he seems well off. Like, he comes from a well-to-do family, yeah. even though it's in the middle of Oklahoma. He had a job at the J.C. Penney. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's funny. It seemed like he had a like a, a a family of stature. It seemed like yeah, or and, status. and he's just trying to please them. Yeah. You got Siga, who was a cute little redhead, and they said that uh, the, mm-hmm. the the girl that played her, she uh, was like a fitness uh, person. And they said the hard, she said the hardest part of that movie was acting like she couldn't do anything. Yeah, pretending she couldn't get up that fucking wall. Because uh, apparently she could do like everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, she, uh, you know, Foley's, he says some stuff to her like he's like, you stand over there and watch, you know, because she can't do the push-ups and, you know, go around the wall, you know, you're just a girl. Yeah, this so, is a, this is a movie that feminists are gonna have some problems with. Well, that, that's, you know, he, but the, I mean, he's doing it for a reason. I mean, oh, he's of not, course, of course. I mean, he might be a sexist asshole or whatever, but it's still, he's, he's weeding them out. Well, there's the little bit of, at the end where, well, first off, she cries. Yeah. You know, shit. She Worst doesn't cry. Do. And then, you know, how does she get over the hump? You know, it's because of, you know, a man. The exactly. patriarchy. Yeah. Well, then, um, Zach, even though he is there and everything, he's still a street wise kind of guy so he's got a little gimmick going on where he's ah, yes. uh like a black he's like the black market guy that you would see like in uh or the scrounger like james garner and uh the great escape or whatever well foley you know is is uh he's not stupid and he's got eyes and ears everywhere and uh they, they he he basically uh busts or uh you know um Discovers Zach's little scheme, yeah, and yeah. he's like, "Okay, motherfucker, I'm gonna make you fucking quit." <laughs> and he's like, "I'm not fucking quitting." He goes, because the the the, the name of the movie, "An Officer and a Gentleman," uh, comes from a, a naval regulation that says, you know, uh, conduct unbecoming an officer and a gentleman. Mm, so okay. when you're a, when you're an officer, you're supposed to you're not supposed to fuck other guys' wives. You're adult. I mean, you can get fucking in trouble in the military for. 
for for uh, adultery. Huh. So even today, hmm. you know, because you're supposed to be an officer and a gentleman. Hmm. So that's what uh, Foley's kind of like. You know, you're a you're just a fucking uh, blue collar piece of shit. You're a scam artist. You're a you don't care about anybody but yourself. Which they kind of ham handedly show that where yeah. the obstacle course and everybody's cheering everybody on and Richard Gere goes and sits by himself. So he's like, okay, motherfucker, if you don't quit, guess what? Everybody else is going on leave. I got you for the whole weekend. I'm going to make you fucking quit. Yeah. So it's kind of funny uh, because I, I love the cadence things that they do. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, little baby sucking on his mama's tail and all that stuff. <laughs> Napalm sticks to kids. That is pretty gross. God. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. So he basically works Zach's fucking ass off, sprays water in his face and makes him do push-ups and run in place and just just works the shit out of him. Yeah, that scene, the, the whole I got nowhere else to go bit, like, if you closed your eyes, like, he sounded, at least to me, he sounded a lot like Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. And how he screamed, he was like, I got no place out to go! I got nowhere else to go! Yeah. Um, so, Foley kind of, well, first of all, his, his thing is to break him down. Yeah. And most of the people are never going to admit, uh, what they're, what their thing is, what their weakness is, or whatever. But Zach finally admitting to him, he couldn't make Zach quit, mm-hmm. and so that showed a lot of character. So Foley's kind of like, hey, you know, this motherfucker's got some heart, mm-hmm. and then he does, you know, get him to admit that, you know, he's, he's, you know, because he, he told him, he said, you know, I, I, I know your mom, your mother killed herself. I know your dad's a fucking alcoholic and a whore chaser and everything. Mm-hmm. So he breaks him down, but then, you know, that's the whole uh, drill instructor thing is they'd always say they you know, break you down and then build you back up. Mm-hmm. And so I think he re- starts to respect Zach, even though, but Zach's still got his fucking flaws. He still is, you know, kind of like, uh, I don't need anybody else. He likes to fuck Paula. Uh, they, you know, Deborah Winger, she's kind of, you know, she doesn't, uh, yeah. she, She's all right. I she's mean, not know. my thing, but that's all right. She looked like a, a – but she looked realistic. She looked like a chick that would mm-hmm. just be in the town. She didn't, you know, look like goddamn uh, – if they had Scarlett Johansson be fucking her, you know. It's like, Jesus, give she me – She had that big-ass hair, man. Yeah, big ass big hair. old hair. Big old hair. Um, so they – Foley's prediction comes true as uh, Lynette – well, Lynette and Paula have like a little conversation and – you know, she's like, you know, well, do you ever think about getting just, you know, about getting pregnant? And Paula's like, you know, because they have to make Paula the, you know, a little bit better. She can't just mm-hmm. be somebody who's just trying to, you know, fuck somebody just to get out. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, I never think about, never think of doing that. And so then Paula or uh, Lynette drops the bomb on uh, Sid, uh, David Keith, that she's knocked up. So he's like shitting himself. Now, they had that. Um, Oh, and also you have the fucking appearance of David Caruso. I forgot. Oh my God! Yeah, he um. He looked like a little kid, you know. God, it's so funny looking at the kind of roles that he had, whether it be you know like shit weasels or just like when he was the 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 deputy in First Blood. Yeah, yeah, like like roles like that. You kind of don't blame him for turning into this, you know, freakish mutation that he is on TV. Yeah, because he was kind of like the 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 baby face nerdy pussy. Yeah. 
you know, or like you said, like the kind of weasel guy and everything. Mm -hmm. But he's in this, and he's another one that they they go through all these different things: the the dunking thing, uh, the high altitude thing, Mm -hmm. uh, where they put him in this room. And and, which is uh, funny, the uh, the moment when uh, David Keith breaks down is in the pressure chamber. Yeah, it was pressure. He was under pressure. (laughs) Um, Get it. So he, David Keith. He ain't gonna make it, you know. I mean, yeah. like you said, you know that there's certain people in this that probably aren't gonna make it, uh, cause they, they, right off the bat, there's, their, their cracks start showing. Well, the thing with David Keith is that he, the whole thing was he wasn't, he wasn't doing anything for himself, you know. Right. It, it was all expectations for other people and that ultimately played out with, uh, Olinette. Well, and you got to see several, several, or a couple of the people. You got to see why they were the way they were mm-hmm. because of their parents. Like yeah. they go and eat with David Keith's parents. The, then Zach gets to meet Paula's uh, parents and shit like that. And then you got Paul's to, mom you got to eyeballing them. <laughs> yeah, you got to see uh, Zach's fucking dad. Mm-hmm. So you see. Sort of, they don't show some of the other ones, but you see, like, the main people's, why they are. And, like, when they go to, like, Lynette's house, I mean, it was, it was just real low, uh, I shouldn't say low, but it was, it was run down. Run down and shitty and everything. And they work in a, in a, like, a mill that makes, a paper mill that makes, like, paper bags. Mm -hmm. They'd be out of business now, because we got plastic bags. At least paper bags are biodegradable. So anyway, Uh, um, the, the scene where, Sid goes to talk to Lynette, and he says that shit about, you know, I can get my job at the J.C. Penney's. I'll be floor manager in a couple of years, and you can just see all the women uh, go out of her. And it was just awful because I feel, he's, he's just a, a dumb fucking country boy, mm-hmm. and he was even dating his brother that got killed in Vietnam. He's dating – she's his girlfriend, so he even picks mm-hmm. up that slack. Which is gross, and, <laughs> but they, he didn't even tell anybody. It wasn't gross because he was fucking uh, Lynette behind her back. It was gross just because it's like this is my brother's girlfriend. She's everybody loves her and everything. But he's just so he's so naive. And then Paula just or Lynette just drops the bomb on him, and what? it's like fuck. Well, what kills me about the scene, you know, the, the, it's the character. You know, he he has never fully control of his life and control of his identity and control of his purpose, and that he he gets the the courage and he does the right thing that a man should do. You know, is take responsibility for it, and you know he still believes that he loves this woman. He still believes in it, and so he throws everything into that moment. He said, "I spent all my savings. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this." And then she is so Jeez. crestfallen that he's not an officer. Like that's beyond a red flag. She didn't give a fuck who it was as yeah. long as they had that uniform. But because he had absolutely nothing left as right. an identity. That's all she was. So he was like, fuck it. You know, this is who I'm going to be as a man. I'm going to be with this woman. And then she just. Just rips his heart out. Yeah. Now, there was one scene before that where they were in the the, uh, motel room and she says that she's late and everything. And he kind of crushes her because he goes, "Um, come here, sit down. You know, he goes, I'm going to do the right thing by you. And, you know, you can see her kind of swelling up like, oh, my God, this guy's really a nice guy. And he goes, I'm going to help you pay for the abortion. Yeah, I'll, I'll be part of that, it. I was like, geez. We'll dude, do this together. We'll do, it'll be like I'm, it'll be like I'm, it's me too. And everything. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? So anyway, um, Zatch, 
uh, he first of all has a confrontation with Foley when when um, Sid uh, DORs, which is drop on request, because mm-hmm. uh, he thinks Foley just kicked him out. Calls and, him a motherfucker. And, yeah, he calls. He goes. I'm talking to you, motherfucker. And when Lewis Gossett turns around, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> but then that kind of he, – he goes and looks for Sid, and uh, uh, that whole situation goes down, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of – I think that Zach, therefore, a bit there, he was starting to turn around. But then when the shit with Sid happens, he just immediately goes back into his shell. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't want anybody, uh, you know, because, I mean, his mother killed herself, and, and Sid's his best friend, and then, you know, th- that shit happens. Um, so then he just kind of reverts back into his uh, loner, asshole, mad at the world thing, and he goes back to the base, and the shit does go down. <laughs> and he says, he's like, uh, and it was funny because he didn't give a fuck, and, and Foley's, Foley's, I mean, you know, I thought he handled pretty well. He's like, you know, we know about uh, 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 what was it? Uh, Cadet uh, Worley, and mm-hmm. we're, we're all sorry, blah, 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 and, but he don't want to hear anything of it, and he goes, get your goddamn ass over here, you know, this is, and so then they, they, they uh, throw down. Yeah, they have a good old taekwondo yeah. off. <laughs> and and uh, it, it catches, because I'm sure Foley, when he walks over there, he's probably thinking, okay, I'm going to beat the fucking shit, because he's the base martial arts instructor, yeah, and yeah. he's like, I'm going to beat the, you know, I'm going to put this fucker in his place. And, well, right off the bat, fucking Zach fucking catches it with a with a few shots, and he's like, ooh, uh, <laughs> and he's, he, he says something like, Oh, I see you've had some training, Mayo. And then Zach just fucking clocks him. And yeah. he's like, looky, looky. And then he's like, okay, I, he, it's like, okay, the gloves are off now. There's no more surprises. And that kind of, that was, when I was a, a kid, when I first saw this, you know, uh, that was an exciting part for me when Zach yeah. and Roddy at the bar thing, you know. Now you know martial arts and stuff. Yeah, martial arts had a different kind of uh, aura around it back yeah, then. Yeah, it was the, yeah. The, the fantasy kind of shit and everything. But still, yeah. you know, I wouldn't want to fucking fight a guy that's no. a taekwondo master yeah. or whatever. It might not work in the UFC because it's such a hybrid and all that shit. But, uh, you know, he'd probably still fucking whip your ass. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I think that uh, it was just another example of Zach learning a lesson, fully teaching him, but also uh, the two. I think Foley it was almost like uh, uh, the dad that Zach fucking didn't have. That he yeah, no, real, the, yeah, the kind of father that he really needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now, not going to go into like the whole fucking because there might be somebody, some people here that have never seen this. Now, for my generation, everybody's seen it because this was the huge hit of. 1982 it was like one of the biggest hits of that year, um, but um, there was a scene. Apparently, um, there was a scene at the end, which I had mentioned before with Robert Loja, at the end where he, Robert Loja is at the graduation. Oh, and he and when Zach walks up to him, he uh, salutes Zach. Huh. And Robert Loja said that, you know, he was pissed because he said that would be, that was a great scene. It should have been in the movie because you start out with, you know, what's the, what's the matter, Chief? You're afraid you're going to have to salute me? And he goes, oh, yeah, why yeah. the fuck would I be afraid of that? But they cut that out. Now, Richard Gere did, hated 
when they first shot the very ending scene, mm-hmm. he said that it was it was so uh, corny and everything. <laughs> but when right. he shot it, it was shot. You know, you're just doing it. And he thought, you know, it should have just ended with like maybe the Robert Loja scene or maybe with him and Foley. Mm-hmm. And so he hated it. But then they said when he fi- when they showed him the final cut. With the music and everything playing, mm-hmm. he fucking loved it. And he said it's it, that was perfect. It should have been in there. That's you know, especially. And I will say this, from a guy's point of view, uh, I could see where you know it should have ended with the with the the father son thing or the surrogate father son thing with Foley and Zach. Yeah, yeah. But you know, this movie was for everybody really because mm-hmm. it it was women loved this fucking movie it did have a love story and everything and and uh but then guys you had some, the action you had foley and you had fucking in it and everything <laughs> else so but uh i think well, i that, mean shit the ending is like the ultimate swoon moment you know yeah, fuck yeah yeah i guarantee you, if you took a chick to see this you probably got what might have got laid oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> absolutely satch Mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. Yeah, I, I, I really like. It's kind of funny. The last episode that we recorded, you spoiled what happens with old David Keith. But um, the, the funny thing is, like, oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the cool thing was, like, the, the final scene with him, or the final few moments with him, like, because I knew what was happening. It really, like, kind of. It, like, his demeanor, like, uh, totally recontextualized what was happening, what was going on in his head. It was actually a really cool kind of moment, you know, knowing that character and why he responded in that, why he was responding to that hotel clerk the way he did, yeah. you know? I thought it was really fascinating character bit. I and mean, there's a lot of fascinating character bits in this movie that I really enjoyed. Um, somebody said something that, um it's the the whole movie was basically a movie about uh, lifting yourself up out of whatever you know like the mm-hmm. Paula was a townie and yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's like Richard Gere the one part where he said something about uh, you know she goes I think it'd be so cool to fly and he was like well you know why don't you go for it why don't you do it and she's like eh, you know. yeah but yeah. but, uh, but it, you look at it from a cynical uh, view and there were some parts in it where I thought God. Your only goal in life is to latch on to a dude, right? That has either money or that can has something like money or the ability to travel or that has the fucking uniform. I mean, I would think that, and I know a lot of people. I mean, today women that that think that way, you know, right out of high school mm-hmm. they want to get married and have kids and everything. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's some people. That's good for for them, but. I would think, my God, wouldn't you have control of your own life? You don't have to have somebody mm-hmm. else. People always end up resenting the other person yeah. when, whenever that happens. You know, whenever you look for status or you look for a way out. Well, the shit with Lynette you know? was gross the way she was mm-hmm. because she was like, you know, she wasn't overtly that way in, to Sid or in front no. of Zach or whatever. But when she'd be talking to Paula, but Paula also, when Zach said about. Her learning to fly or joining the Navy or doing something like that. And she, and he goes, why don't you go after what you want? And she goes, what makes you think I'm not going after what I want? And right. just, to me, that's gross. It is. It's like, yeah. I just, you know, but then again, you know, she, she, 
I guess if I if there was a woman that I really liked or whatever and whatever, and I wanted to get with her, I'd you know probably want to try and do anything I could. I'd, mm-hmm. I would I would cut uh, poke a hole in the end of the rubber <laughs> to trap her into getting pregnant. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I was really hoping that the very end of the movie was going to turn into a, like a, a Hello Cleveland type moment from Spinal Tap, where Richard Gere is just kind of lost, wandering around, yes. <laughs> walking all confidently, strutting around. Again, and it was just like, what the fuck is this dude's problem? My cynical, the way I think, the cynical way I think, in the the uh, the uh, kind of assholeish comedy thing that I kind of like was uh, when. The people in the mill have their reaction to it. Oh, I was still like, I was like, man, that's so gross. It's like, yeah, yeah Paula, Paula, uh, Paula uh, bagged a big one. She yeah. bagged a big one. Yeah, and I'm like, God, that's so fucking gross. Yeah, even when that was like, way to think. Yeah, even when that was like congratulating them, like it's a redeeming yeah. moment for her. Way to go, Paula. Jesus Christ. I didn't get mine, but you got your. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Fucking women. I know that's the moral of the story in this one. <laughs> it was so funny. One of the first things that uh um Robert Loja says, he's talking to young Richard Gere, and he's like uh, Richard Gere's as a kid says something like about what his mom said. He's like, she was telling her female lies. Female lies. <laughs> Just obviously but, so much worse than a. Which uh, well, you know. Man. That, uh, little Zach is like, listen, asshole, I fucking read your goddamn letters. You're a fucking piece of shit. You know, because he was like, I'll be back. I'll treat you good. <laughs> All you right. Tell the Philippines where he could get a prostitute for fucking ten. If, uh, you want number one? For, uh, uh, this was a, hey, a, a classic line did. from that that people repeat all the time is, you want number one fucky fucky ten dollar yeah. cheap cheap. And my uh, dearly departed uncle, he had a wife from the Philippines and then, uh, after she passed, uh, uh, ten days later, he came back home with another one. He's a he's a classy kind of guy. Well, there you go. Yeah. Maybe I have to go down to the Philippines. Hey, you might as well. It's kind of fun. A buddy of mine, his grandpa <laughs> is in the Philippines, and he's he. Uh, I'll, I'll be hanging out with my buddy, and he'll be like, "Oh my god, my grandpa's calling me." I was like, "Oh, what, what's up?" He's like, "He's just gonna try to get me to come to the Philippines and meet a Filipina girl." He's just like, yeah, you know, I'm with this one girl right now. You know, he's a he's a grandpa. He's an old ass man. He's like, yeah, and her sister's great. And my friend's just like, She's oh 18, god, I'm 55. That's how you came and got me, remember? Huh? That's how you came and got me, remember? We're still recording, baby. They can't know that. Tell her we're almost done. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, um. Give me give me a score for an officer and a gentleman, sir. You no, know, I'll tell you what. Honest to God, I um, I haven't seen this when when it was uh, it was on HBO on a regular rotation, so I watched it a bunch, and I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Um, I still enjoy it. It's it it uh, is way better than what. Uh, I think a person would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more to it than just a, a chick flick. Um, I would give this for me. Uh, eight point five. Yeah, I knew you were gonna go above eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a it's a touch long. Um, I think yeah, once long. once the major dramatic beat happens. Uh, it seemed like, it, in terms of David Keith's character, it seems like it's in a hurry to get to the end. 
Um, cause that's literally like 15 minutes left in the movie is when that happens. It's just like, boom, 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 karate match. Yeah. Well, they were probably like, Jesus Christ, we gotta get fucking, uh. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Jake and Yuri gotta go eat. We gotta get this done. <laughs> Cut it off. There's two versions of this actually. I guess they actually oh, yeah? released on DVD the TV version, hmm. which cuts out, uh, a lot of the, well, you know, all the cuss words and dubs and other shit and cuts out Deborah Winger's little itty bitty titty committee. Yeah. And, uh, as, uh, Sid's big cock. I swear, man. What, what's, <laughs> yeah. What's his name? Uh, Zach had, had some, had some mommy issues. He was, uh, sucking on those titties for, uh, a pronounced length yeah. of time. She but. did not have bodacious tatas. No, no. He just, he just needed to reconnect with his mother. Um, I give it a 7.5 out of 10. I was very impressed with it. I really enjoyed it. It was a uh, a pleasant surprise. Pleasant surprise. You thought I was going to shit the bed again. No, 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 not at all. Um, I, I, I knew Footloose was going to be entertaining to a degree, but I really had no idea what to expect from an officer and a gentleman, because the only thing I really knew was, um, uh, I got no place else to go. And um, the little bit at the end where he's, you know, carrying her off. where we belong. Yeah, that one right there. Yeah. So. He lifted her up where she belonged. This was. Cock. <laughs> this was a much more successful week in terms of the movies reviewed. Yeah. So congratulations to us. Still fun, though. Last oh, yeah. Was, it was oh, brutal, yeah. but it was fun. Just in terms of the scores. Like, and I got a new headset out of this week. Bam. Now, speculation, people, for everybody that's that's wondering, mm-hmm. uh, I have received some uh, some correspondence correspondence yeah. from the agents involved <laughs> in production company and everything. I believe that somebody's going to be coming back next week. <gasps> somebody's going to be coming back like sneak <laughs> next week. Uh, and we should be, uh, recording a new show, uh, probably Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but big, since, since, uh, it's going to be the return of the pickle and the loaf, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to hold off on announcing what we're going to review next week. Okay. Uh, and, uh, we'll let you know as soon as we fucking decide. Sounds fantastic. It's going to be something a little bit, uh, pro- uh it's going to be something more, uh, that has a little bit more, uh, uh, after midnight, Fritz the Night Owl, Chiller's <laughs> Theater kind of a drive-in grindhouse feel. I, hey man, I whatever works. Because we went a little mainstream, but yeah, you know, I'm glad we did. Mix it up. You guys got a dynamite show. You got some dynamite chemistry. We got a dynamite uh, fill-in co-host, oh. friend, buddy, brother, uh, awesome McLargeness. Yeah, and very very soon, um, I'll be uh, announcing, or my <laughs> co-host will be announcing our next uh, endeavor. Uh, hopefully it'd be cool if we got it recorded at this upcoming week, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see how you that and all Jeff Carnes are finally gonna put out that show. <laughs> yes, sir. Right. It's gonna be the, uh, anti-Sylvan Gold cast. Yeah. Reverse farting. Yeah, we're gonna record a wind tunnel. Uh, oh no, in the, uh, pressure Inside chamber. baseball. Yeah, <laughs> the pressure chamber. This week in baseball, I'm Mel Allen. <laughs> this is, uh, Sylvan Gold Podcast, and I say song. Oot. Jacob. Oot. Cut foot loose.